The opinions expressed on this program are those of the host or guest and should not be interpreted as statement of fact. Independent fact-checking and corrections are encouraged. Go get a cup of coffee in here, please. You've wow, got that's a dog loud. that needs what walking. That's right, sunshine. Just put on a big pot of strong coffee and get I ready don't know to what take a little hate mail with your opinions about Overnight, and got louder. Earth insanity. Stand-up comedy? You want stand-up comedy? Well, we got, well, we've got sit-down comedy. It's time for Coffee with the Dog. You make me laugh. Oh, yeah. I make you laugh, do I? You know, something happened overnight where the band got louder. Now it's 40% and it's booming. Nah, it's now 70% now. I don't know what happened. The gremlins got into the machine and broke it. Broke everything. I got to have some coffee. I am uh, coffee depleted. Good morning, folks. It is uh, Wednesday, hump day, January 24th, 2024. Hope it's a beautiful day wherever you are. My brother said it's supposed to be 73 where he is in uh, North Carolina tomorrow. Um, I'm tempted to drive down there. I just need 73 and sunny. I need 73 and sunny. I think most of the country is going to experience a warm-up this week. Not so much where I am, of course, because I need it more than anybody. I'm desperate for sun and warm. It's January 24th. Be real. Ain't going to happen. Anyway, uh, we have a a strange show for you today, I think. Uh, John Stage, who is a comedian out of Chicago, will be with us in the first hour. If he shows up, why do I have a feeling that might be a problem? Because time zones, uh, Chicago, I know he knows it's nine fifteen, uh, but, you know, comedians in time zones. I don't know. And then the second hour, uh, a guy named Todd Baker, who is a transformational coach, a success life coach. And the word coach is just, uh, it just, uh, oh. I don't like to be coached. I don't know. It's it's uh, it's a psychological thing with me. I don't like the word, but I'm not against um, learning about success or transformation or any of that kind of stuff. It's just I don't know the word. And uh, this has been a long running thing with me, going back to Tony Robbins days in the uh, '90s, '80s, whatever. I don't like. Uh, I don't like the word coach. And I think it has to do with uh, my gym teachers who were coaches uh, who I didn't like. I think it probably has something. Uh, let's, I'm not going to get on the couch here. 
Uh, Willie is not going to be with us. He will be with us in chat only today. He's uh, not in spirit, in chat. Um, June Edward, who was on the program today, uh, yesterday, speaking of um, spirit, uh, has already rebooked, but she's rebooked for the evening program. Apparently, she uh, wants to try a little nighttime fun. Uh, strange responses to that program yesterday people thinking we were talking about demons uh, i don't remember talking about demons you remember talking about demons i don't remember talking about demons anyway um you know i'm not surprised by that people uh have a uh, a reaction to anything related to spiritual especially if you're religious or it's anti-christian it's anti-muslim it's anti-jew it's it's Whatever it is, it, it doesn't. That's why I said yesterday, you, you know, reincarnation uh, doesn't sit well with a lot of people who are religious. And do they need to kind of uh, be on board with all that stuff to get uh, on board with her relationship program? Anyway, she's rebooked for a couple of weeks from now in February. Look forward to that. Last night was um, New Hampshire primary. Do you guys pay attention to that? Probably not. You're, you're politically uninterested, aren't you? Um, I called uh, Donald Trump the winner at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. I said people didn't have to watch, and uh, I was right. He was the winner, not by as much as he thought he was going to win or anybody thought he was going to win, not by that much at all. And that set him into a rage, a rage of... Uh, posting on uh, Truth Social that started at about 9 o'clock last night and is still going strong this morning, uh, has not slept. The Adderall keeps him up. Uh, he is lashing out at, first of all, he's lashing out at, at Nikki Haley, who, if you remember, Trump appointed Secretary of State, uh, not Secretary, Secretary, Ambassador to the UN. I'm sorry, my my brain is working, but the the mouth isn't working. Uh, ambassador to the UN. He had enough confidence in her to have her represent the United States to the world, but now he calls her bird brain and talks about how incompetent she is. Okay, that's typical Trump, and nobody in the cult holds him responsible for that. Like. In my book, in my world, in the corporate world, in the business world, the thing that people are so, oh, he's a great businessman. Not a great businessman. He's a dipshit of a businessman. But in my day, when we were working in corporate world, the manager was responsible for good hires and, and his people. And if he continually hired people that even he says are complete idiots and incompetence, that's on him. Not in MAGA world. They don't believe in holding the boss responsible for all his failed uh, appointments and hires and all that kind of stuff. So he's lashing out at uh, Nikki Haley because she's a threat to him. She's he, he, Even though he should probably want her to be president because he said, if uh, she said she would pardon him. I am probably still sleeping. She, uh, <laughs> she said she would pardon him if she wins. So... That's his ticket out of jail, which is really why he's running. He doesn't want to go to jail. Um, but now he's lashing out at uh, Kaylee McEnany, 
McEnany, who was his press secretary. Oh, and it's, uh, you know what? I'm not sure what's real and what's not real. I know what's real on part on his part about the lashing out stuff at her, but apparently she's giving it back to him, which would it surprised me somewhat because she has been a bootlicker to Trump for for years. She, I mean, she was his press secretary. She went out and lied for him. That's what press secretaries do always. Let, let, let me. This is not a. And everybody knows I don't, I, you know, how I feel about Trump. But Trump's press secretaries are not the only ones that will lie for, oh, lied for him. Every president do. But she did faithfully uh, lick his boots every single day. And now he's calling her a rhino. He's bashing her, and uh, he he's not happy because she said uh, basically that it was not a good showing last night, and basically it was good news for Joe Biden to see how. Seven in ten Republicans and independents said they would not vote for Donald Trump. And we're only, well, one in ten said they would not, uh, Democrats said they would not vote for uh, Joe Biden. So that, she said that, it's true, uh, but it hurt poor poor Donnie Diaper Don, uh, and he's now lashing out at her. Now there are tweets attributed to her coming back at him, and it's using some language that you would not expect a um, nice Christian girl to be using on Twitter, uh, talking about how he, uh, he, he fucked uh, uh, children on Epstein Island with Dershowitz and stuff like that. I, I have not verified any of that, and I, I doubt, I highly doubt it's true. I can't imagine her using that kind of language or, or saying that because, well, there's a lot of reasons. First of all, she's not a potty mouth. I've never, I can't imagine her being a potty mouth. It's not Willie. <laughs> Sorry, Willie. Uh, or me, uh, if I'm being fair. She's not me because uh, I would use that kind of language. But um, I can't imagine her doing that. But also the fact that she's been in his corner She's been an advocate for him for all those years. If she's saying now that she knew that he was on Epstein Island raping little girls, what does that say about her? Uh, so it's all just it's it's all just crazy. It's all just nuts, I tell you. It's nuts, I tell you. Anyway, uh, T.D. Fenderson is in the back. He's not. He's here without his Willie. He lost his Willie. He uh, probably wants to say something about coffee that doesn't exist. Anyway, let's say, let's welcome him in. Good morning, G.D. Good morning. Damn it, I don't have the first few words, so I don't know what to say. Does your cup run on empty like mine? <laughs> Get it refilled Sunday mornings with the Church of Last Resort. Oh, there fill you your go. cup. Fill your cup with the good Lord on Sunday mornings with the Church um, of Last Resort. Well, yeah, that's a nice little plug there. Yeah, do that. But uh, you know what? Even if you don't get up Sunday morning, uh, watch it on replay. Uh, and, and you know, and, and share it with your friends. I got to make some reels out of that stuff. It's just uh, I've been overwhelmed and all that stuff. Um, well, with AI, I can't find any intelligence in it. I'm sure. You know, I, I, I caught I caught AI uh, deceitfully editing a piece. I forget what exactly I said we left from last week's show. Uh, it took a, a line that I said. We, I was talking to uh, 
was it Joel Bouchard? Somebody. Yeah, it was Joel Bouchard, so it was only Monday. It wasn't that long ago. <laughs> but I said the nuclear fa- uh, nuclear family was the problem. Oh, no, it wasn't Joel Bouchard. It was uh, last week. Anyway, it was the guy with the author guy from Mem- from Memphis. Uh, <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Paducah Padu- Fest. It no, took no, my no, nah, yeah, yeah. We're all over the map here. One of our, you know, uh, I can't think of his name yeah. right now, and it's killing me. Somebody you were talking to on this show at some point, right? His, his the that book guy. was a was about abuse and his father and all that stuff, and it took me out of because I said the line about nuclear family being uh, the root of the problem, and on a whole right. other topic, and it inserted that line in the middle of that conversation, making it look like I was saying that you know basically. We got to we got to get rid of nuclear family. We got to get rid of families in the middle of his uh, thing about his father, and that it's so. I'm like, what's what the AI is trying to set me up on my my own content, putting it out there and putting out misleading stuff to make people think I said things I didn't say. That's dangerous. It uh, sounds like Kaylee McEnany is your AI um, secretary. Uh, no, she's my A lack of I. <laughs> Wait. Uh, <laughs> A on I. I do know where the demon reference may have come from. I jokingly asked the from yes, but I jokingly asked um, Ms. Edward about um, getting hiring a evil spirit to do the work that a good spirit won't do. All right, maybe maybe that was it. I don't and she know. Didn't have a, yeah, and she was. I wouldn't go there. I said, yeah, but you, you know, there's some places. There's some things a good spirit may not want. Oh, hire them. We lost you for a second there. You popped out and you popped back in. Um, yeah, I, oh, I okay. think I think religious people in general have a problem with all that stuff. It's new age. Yeah, yeah. It's it, uh, and they think it's evil. They think it's from the evil one. But I think right because uh, she she talked about having. She I asked her if there was a hell. She said yes. I don't think she ever mentioned the word God and. It's uh, that's on me because I should have pressed. Like when you died, and were given the opportunity to come back, did you actually see the face of God and have a conversation with God when you were supposedly dead? Um, I don't think she could legitimately say that. I don't think she actually. I mean, let's put this. I don't know where because I'm listening to like some of her terminology, and some of it sounds like okay. For example, I my official training was, I mean, if you were to go back to the roots of the way I was educated as far as my, as far as, um, my religious education goes, you would go back to the Theosophical Society. And the terms that I use when I'm, drink, when I'm actually trying to be smart are their terms. You know, I learned to talk their language. And I listen to how she's talking, and, and, and some of the concepts, like, overlap, but she's using, like, different languages for the, like, some of the same stuff. Some hmm. schools have thought. So she can't say God. Well, no, she said heaven exists. She says if you believe in one, you have to have you have to believe in the other because of the, there's a dichotomy. You know, right. there, there must be an equal and opposite balance. I think she said. Right. Yeah, the universe right. always has to be in balance. I, I well, agree with that's that. it. The universe is not in balance, and it can't be in balance technically. I think the universe is always in motion. Okay, this is me. The universe is always in motion, going from one side to the other. Because oh, balance a means, right, it's a pendulum. And balance is momentary. It passes through balance. 
Because if you ever stop, if you if you're ever balanced, that means you're not moving. Well, so, I go I go I back to the Jackie clip he, about uh, Soupy Sales. He said he asked the teller to check his balance, and he pushed him. Um, <laughs> and that's and that's and, and that's because it has to be moving. You can't <laughs> check your balance. See? I guess um, if your if your balance isn't moving, you're not putting anything in. You're not taking anything out, and it's stagnant. It's dead. Uh, you know what? It doesn't really upset me that people are, are making these comments. Again, every comment is good, negative and all that stuff. It helps build the channel, helps YouTube uh, think people are interested in what the hell we're doing and pushes it out there. Uh, helps uh, Spotify think people are interested in what we're doing and pu push stuff out there. So I'm, I'm down with all that. It's, you know, I, it just puzzled me a little bit. The other thing that came up yesterday is um, I got copyright not strikes but people wanting to uh revenue share saying i was using their content for the piece that i uh created for willie i, I played the intro for his show uh mm -hmm. lord and his lady somebody is claiming copyright issues on that there are no copyright issues on that and then the other thing the music behind tracy's dog the guy who wrote the music behind tracy's dog commercial is asking for a revenue share because he wrote the music behind the commercial. So I well, got some. Ask you. That's not, and that has nothing to do with you. I right? played That's... it on my. Yeah, well, I played it on my show. So they they're claiming Tracy's dog obviously paid for the uh, production of that. I guess they only have rights to use it on their YouTube channel and not necessarily have me running it. So now I, I'm I'm not going to run the Tracy's dog commercials until I get that cleared up we i will say tracy's dog is a place you can go <laughs> I, I have a solution for that i have a solution we'll run it without sound and we'll do our own music our own Hi. voiceover i'm i'm mr geronimo product right. manager project product manager at tracy's dog right yeah. we'll show we'll show their his face their product it'll just be our voice and our music you know i can, you, I can you, get my mr crazy. geronimo shirt and my cowboy hat and yes or naked borders do the naked borders uh, music, <laughs> broken Bro borders, broke uh, naked, naked borders, uh, broken <laughs> borders. Well, no, you're 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 picking up on a psychic vibe here because I was going to play the naked wines commercial. Because uh, oh, our, okay. our guest is patiently waiting. He's here, uh, so I'm going to play the naked wines commercial, and then we'll uh, get to meet John Stage in just one second. Do we have Nick? to. Yeah, <laughs> we, we absolutely I have to. I, I, we right. must. We okay. must. Uh, Naked wine. No, I'm not doing the, the long one. So uh, Naked Wines is a place to go for a wine that is naked or grapes that start out naked and then put some clothes on or something. Welcome to a better way to buy wine. Nakedwines.com is a customer-funded wine business. We don't just sell wines. We make them happen. Since launching in the UK in 2008, Angels have helped us invest in over 159 independent winemakers in 14 different countries. Turns out, it's better business for everyone. Our winemakers get to sell all of their wines and make a living. We make the same margins as everyone else and have a lot of fun along the way. And as a wine drinker, for the $40 a month you probably would have spent on wine anyway, you'll get wholesale prices. 
You can be sure that all of our wines have been lovingly made by a talented winemaker and stripped of all the costs that add nothing to the flavor or quality of the juice in the bottle. Support independent winemakers. Get better wine in return. With the support of 300,000 wine drinkers, we fund talented independent winemakers up front. This way, they get to spend all of their attention on making you the best wine possible. World-class wine, direct from talented, independent winemakers. I bet she's Russian. Up to 60% off market prices. A better way to discover tasty new favorites with over 2 million reviews from wine drinkers like you. Become an angel today. Get started by visiting MindDogTV.com and click the banner on the homepage now. I mean, yeah. I think that girl was in my dream last night. Honestly, I do. Uh, I had some weird dreams about uh, young girls wanting me to be their daddy dressed in lingerie. Uh, Now, as in daddy, (laughs) as in like I I go to college, will you pay for it, daddy? Yeah, that. That. No, not not like sugar daddy or or sexual daddy. Well, they were in lingerie, so there must have been some kind of weird thing there. But no, they were just two girls who wanted me to support them. <laughs> Why they okay. were, but that one of them looked like that girl, at least in my my dopey memory. Um, so she's like, "Daddy, look how I'm dressed. I'm so cold. Get me some clothing." That kind of. <laughs> I definitely there's clearly something wrong with me uh, in my uh, psychological. Oh, really? Makeup. Um, yeah, but I have to say that wine looks delicious. I'm not a wine drinker. When he says wine drinkers just like you, but watching that bottle pour, I'm like, I'd like a glass of wine. It's too early for wine, and probably would. Then it worked. Then it worked. The commercial, those clips worked. It will work. Wine drink. Yeah. Please buy wine now. Before we last link before we meet John Stage is, uh, did you see Willie's show last night? He didn't do it last night. That's right. I was going to say, yeah. Uh, uh, he chickened out. Well, he like the, from uh, Monty Python, Sir Robin chickened out. Sir Robin chickened out. Well, he chickened out. <laughs> um, he ran away. <laughs> he ran away. He ran away. Bandwidth issues. Uh, we apologize for people. We had to push the premiere back. He'll be back in South Dakota um, next week next Tuesday for the premiere and hopefully things will go well. Anyway, John stage. I'm assuming John stage is, is it his stage name. It's his stage name. His real name is John's seat in the audience or something. Um, uh, John stage is a stand-up comic based in Chicago. He has entertained types of crowds at casinos, comedy clubs, and drunken bar rooms, which I am more interested in the last part of that. Please welcome nice guy, John Stage. Good morning, John. Hey, buddy. How you doing? I'm doing well. What kind of accent is that? Is that a Chicago accent you got? <laughs> uh, I, I grew up outside of Chicago, so it's, uh, it's kind of a farm town accent. And I, I drank too many beers last night, so it was a little deeper than normal. All right. Naperville. You're familiar with Naperville? Yeah. Naperville. Yeah. Well, they, they call it Naperville or Naperville? Naper. Naper. <laughs> All, right. All right. That's the only place I've ever stayed near Chicago. I did a bunch of shows there. 
yeah. in the nineties. Anyway, um, yeah. so yeah, uh, the, the barroom stuff I, I'm really interested in because sure. uh, barrooms are really de- you know people are not there for comedy, or maybe in yeah. some cases they are, but most cases they're there to either uh, hook up with uh, somebody from the opposite sex or get drugs or just to get plastered. Right. Uh, t- tell me about some of those gigs. Is that uh, well, <laughs> difficult? I, yeah. it, sometimes they're just like uh, guerrilla shows where you just show up and people are, they don't even expect a comedy show when you start doing a comedy show. And they're like, yeah. hey, what, what, what is this guy talking about? He's using foul language and he's talking about his penis <laughs> this entire time. So it, it doesn't matter. It's, it's still fun. I have done comedy shows with full bars and I have done comedy shows in bars where there was one guy. Uh, I've done it all. So, and even that one, it was embarrassing. There's one guy, so there's no one else to talk to. So you look at him and he, he just kept looking away. I don't know what his problem was, but every time I looked at him, he's like, Oh my God, I stopped staring at me. I'm like, who else am I going to talk to? Right. Wow. Uh, our shows are fun. I don't say, cause they always say in music my whole life, you know, it doesn't matter. Just do your best show, no matter how many people were there. But I think one person makes it's, it awful difficult it's like it's how do you uncomfortable I, for everybody i'll tell you that. I, I would go to the venue owner and say you sure you don't want to cancel this because like uh, I, I don't know it doesn't make sense are you hoping for people to come in or like as I, i'm talking <laughs> i've had people come in and people walk right back out it's it's the show must go on right it's show business it, there's one person they paid to get in or they're or they've got six beers in front of them and uh you do the show the, the right. jokes stay the same it's just better with a full room. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah, or even two. <laughs> <laughs> two is better than one. Yeah, two yeah, is. You better. can mix it up. Yeah, yeah. So, so John, John, have you ever had to? Uh, and I'm not going to. I'm not setting this up to tell my story. I want you to tell yours. Have you ever had to referee a fight from the stage? <laughs> no. No, I haven't had. Or that. to or de-escalate a situation from the stage. Yeah, so um, I learned quickly in comedy that I can't. So, like, I've gotten mad at audience members before, <laughs> where they're they're heckling or they're saying stupid stuff all the time, and I've gotten mad at them, and it ruins the entire room because I'm of the age where I, when I'm mad, I look like your father who is yelling <laughs> at you, and <laughs> I'm like, hey, will you guys shut up? And they're like, oh, jeez, those guys. And I've had audience, uh, other audience members go, go back to your jokes because you're making us feel uncomfortable. So, but that's, <laughs> that's also woke Chicago. Sometimes you get that. Wow. It's easy to make people feel uncomfortable. I've never you- seen, I've never seen fights, but uh, yeah, I've learned quickly not to be angry with anybody because uh, it comes. Are you guys familiar with Lenny around. Clark? Lenny Clark, the name, uh, does that ring a bell? Uh, Lenny Clark was on the... Is that that Lenny Kravitz's unsuperhero secret identity? Now, Lenny Clark, uh, he actually was the guy... He actually had a sitcom that was kicking Seinfeld's ass in the first season. Uh, It was just called Lenny. He he was a Boston-area comic. He uh, was on Dennis Leary's show, a cop show that he had, and and then he had a fireman show. He was on all those shows. He's now on... Uh, some show on CBS or something with John Cryer that Jackie brought up the other day. Relative, was it relatively? Yeah, something. Or, some, yeah. something. In but laws of, yeah. He comes from a rough-and-tumble Boston comedy scene. And back in the late 80s, he did a show, and the heckler was giving him a hard time, and he got in a fight with the guy 
while doing his material and never stopped doing the material. He, he was punching the guy with one hand and holding the mic and telling jokes with the other hand. Wow. And uh, he won. He won the fight, and they actually brought the guy. But that's like the the best. I wish I was there that night. I wish they would have had cell phones and somebody could have uh, put that on online because that had to be like one of the most classic ways to deal with the heckler. I've seen guys put hecklers down, but I've never seen one a guy like knock somebody, knock a heckler out while continuing to tell jokes the whole time. Uh, that's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, John, John is uh, John stage your real name or is it a, this is your stage name? <laughs> no, I know I get this. I get grief about this all of the time, but it, it is it is a, my real name. I've had it my whole life, and no one ever said anything about it until I started doing comedy, and then of that's course. when it was like, uh, "Is that your real name?" Yeah, it is my real name. It is. Uh, when, I, when I, I, did, right, I, I just want to say, I just want to there's a guy, a comedian I know. His name is Michael Larius. Okay, Michael Larius, and yeah. he goes by the name Mike Hilarious on stage, <laughs> and nice. he gets he gets so much grief from other comedians yeah. on pretentious, and he's like, no, but my name is Michael Larius. What else? My, what am I supposed to do with that? And he did the logical thing. Yeah, well, yeah. I, if I would have if I would have created a name in using stage, I would have went with Mike Stage or Stan Stage because those things are stool stage. That doesn't make sense, but I could have used it. Third yeah, stage. Yeah. <laughs> on a on a stage. Uh, oh, yeah. I don't know, but it, it sucks that you have to kind of defend that, like the Michael Larry stuff that he has to actually defend that, like and and try to explain himself. So, uh, people are just every every time I go to a new show and somebody announces me that uh, this is his stage name. It's John stage. I always I have a joke where I talk about names, but. Um, I feel like I have to go into that joke every single time, even though I want to use, uh, you know, new material. Yeah. So My uh, down, uh, friend of this program, Erica Rhodes, is on Twitter. Yesterday she said, uh, I'm just trying to pick it, see if I can find it and pull it up. She said, I, sometimes I forget people take every joke on here literally. Because what happens on yeah. – and, and I, my reply was, I think – I said you and every other good comedian. I think it's true that – in clubs and theaters as well. Uh, the difference being that we don't get a chance to argue or, or try to give our point of view. I think, you know, this is a problem because Mark Norman talked about this. He made an abortion joke and a woman came up and gave him uh, a lot of grief about it. And he said, look, calm down, lady. I, all I did was make a joke about abortion because uh, she said, I, I'm offended by that. I've had an abortion. He said, all I did was make an abortion, uh, a joke about abortion. What you did was far worse. And, <laughs> but I think we have this this situation where people just don't can't separate we think that everything uh, um, a comedian says must be his true political leanings or we we attach political leanings to it when they're just trying to be funny, trying to find some funny and stuff. And I, it's, a, it's a vocational uh, hazard, I think. It's, it's, a, it's a really odd time where people... Then they should stop lying. That way people can just assume they're telling the truth. If the comedians will stop lying, then, then they're telling the truth and the, then the audience will go, he's telling the truth, he really is a rapist. You know, <laughs> so I'm just so, and, yeah. and I, just so the comedians stop lying, then the problem disappears. So, oh, do you, what? True, true stories are not funny. 
Yeah, no, you, you, have be, you, know, you, you have to embellish. You have to embellish. No, you don't have to embellish. You have to just be very clever with your words and the way you do things. That's all. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I don't, I don't lie and misrepresent myself. I don't, you know, I, I have a 10% embellishment clause. That's right. it. That's I don't, well, that, so, that's, still, that's still embellishment. 10% is well, still that's, and that's, Well, that's only because in Hollywood, that's because people have gotten used to it. Like in Hollywood, like for example, if I'm telling a story, the actual story lasts three days. You know, I'm right. not going to be on stage for three days to tell that story. So I'm going to compress it down to like one and a half because that's right. about how many days I have on stage. <laughs> so that's that's what I mean by an embellishment. I that's but it's still the same true story. But right. if I got attacked, if I got mugged by one guy in a parking lot, I'm not going to say there were like 17 guys in a parking lot oh, right, just to sure. make it, you know, I'm not going to do that. It's like, no, it was one guy. Yeah, I will I find a way to make that one guy funny. All right. Right, right. That, uh, we're going to have a fact. We're going to send fact checkers to all your shows from now on and see how you Do, like please. It. At least it'd be somebody in the audience. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, that <laughs> Uh, John, it says in your bio, it, John uses his nice guy personality to draw audience into stories about his Midwestern family man. Uh, I'm still waiting to see the nice guy personality part, so, so I'm confused. Go ahead. The, whole uh, <laughs> the nice guy stuff. Um, yeah. do, do you does that mean you work clean, or do you do dick jokes, or, or, or and get get a little dirty sometimes? So. Um, you know, I have this uh, Midwestern dad appearance on stage. It's it's nothing I'm going for. It's just it's just something that is, and uh, you know, because I'm a 53 year old uh, dude, and so uh, a lot of people that I hang out with are in their 20s and 30s. Uh, I had a guy last night say, oh, I'm, "I'm getting up there in age." He said he was 30. I'm like, "All right." All right. I was 23 the day you were born. So shut up. <laughs> shut up. <laughs> so yeah, I mean. Um, I, I do most, I, I probably could change three or four things and be completely clean, but I found that audiences are very accepting of both, both things. And, uh, and so I'll throw, I'll throw some, some naughty words in there once in a while, but, um, you know, it, it dresses the joke up a little bit. It makes it a little extra funny. It's yeah it's something, but you yeah, don't give I mean, them a whole dick joke. You just give them just a tip and the, well, just, sometimes that's know, all I got. got dude. I don't know. That's okay. <laughs> yeah, I think the Midwest is, is kind of that way. We, you know, this is why almost all until recently, almost all the like late night uh, people, like Carson and and Letterman and those people, uh, we're all like Midwesterners. Uh, it's it's just a, a a softer appearance than than the coasts have as as far as uh, personality wise, or um, I don't know, just persona wise it's just it, there's it, the midwest is such a large area and there are so many people that that are part of it and uh you know chicago brings in a lot of people from different areas but uh you're right there's not i don't know if there's very much of an accent in the midwest um you know you go south you hear certain things you go on the east coast you hear your certain uh certain accents but um yeah i don't know it just feels like there are so many people from the midwest that uh it's it's yeah. less of an accent. So you are you you're more of a storyteller uh, than no, a no no. I mean, I have I I talk about my life more. Uh, you know, I have a wife and I have two sons, and they they draw a lot of uh, fire, if you will. <laughs> you know, uh, I uh, 
but I, I do, I tell, I tell things about my life and who I am. And, um, and that seems to be funny enough. There's yeah. a lot, there's a lot that I pull from there. The, the, the kids, I'm not political or anything like that. Do your kids and wife, uh, uh, do they come and they hear stuff? Uh, or do Because, you know, I like to keep my world. I'm George Costanza. I want to keep yeah. my world separate. The, world collide, the two worlds yeah. can never meet. Yeah. <laughs> do, are you that way? Do you try to keep your world separate? <laughs> um, pretty much. My, my wife has seen me perform, and I have a, I have a joke uh, where I talk about um, her and I say that, uh, you know, her and I were an aging couple. And uh, when you get older, you start talking about things you've never talked about before. And lately, we've been talking about retirement and the cost of retirement. And I think we finally found a plan we could afford. It's called murder-suicide. <laughs> and uh, so I actually, I, you know, I have to I have to murder her in that joke. And she always, she, when I go out to do a show, she's like, are you going to tell the joke where you kill me? And I'm like, sorry, people love that one. I have to come with that one. That's one so where you, she's taking it literally. Tell, yeah. But can you tell us so that she murders you and commits suicide? That way she that's, comes out on top. Yeah, I'm sorry. That's not funny at all. <laughs> <laughs> Good one. Uh, it, yeah, you know, it, but you know what? Um, I, I would I would not tell it when she was there. In my world, I would not... Again, trying to keep my world separate. If my wife was yeah. there, I would just leave that one out. The thing no is, is my wife has a super great sense of humor. She understands uh, that it's comedy, and um, she knows what I'm trying to do. And she thinks she honestly thinks I'm funny, which yeah. is a nice thing. Uh, we make each yep. other laugh all the time. We have a really great relationship, and uh, so she gets it. She gets it. I'm out there. I'm doing. A, I'm having fun with it. It's it's kind of a it's kind of a hobby that is growing bigger and bigger and uh and she's she's all for it she loves it um so uh do you, uh you say it's kind of a hobby now that's that's interesting you're the i think you're one of the first i, I think you might be the first to actually uh describe his uh, comedy career that way on this a lot of people you know either they are they've been doing open mics for six weeks and have aspirations of being Dave Chappelle, Louis C.K., whatever the top of the food chain, or they uh, have been in it 20 years and have settled into I'm a local clubber kind of guy. Uh, so you don't really have uh, a a map of your career. Are you just doing it as like kind of as it, taking it as it comes? Or? So so I started doing comedy when I was 50. So, wow. I, yeah, I procrastinate. Anyway, I uh, <laughs> I started a little late in the game. Um, Netflix is, you know, not in my game plan. What I would like to be is a go to guy that that play people like uh, places at Zany's and uh, CG's Comedy Club, all these local places in Chicago can and go, hey, we need a host. Hey, can you fill in for uh, for a feature or, you know, put me in once a month or whatever. And I can. Um, and you know what? I would I would feature for a traveling guy. I know a lot of guys uh, in the Chicagoland area. Some of them are so good. I know they're going to make it. And hey, if they make it and they're like, hey, let's bring out John stage uh, to Oklahoma Funny Bone or something. And, and they and, and I do a feature set for that. That'd be great. I don't have aspirations of um, HBO. I, I don't I don't care about any of that. I'm just ha I'm honest to God. I'm having so much fun. Um, using this as a creative outlet, saying 
funny things in front of people, getting a little attention. It's so, it, you know, the laughs are great. At the end of it, when someone walks up to me and goes, dude, that was really good. That was really funny. That I enjoy that more than anything. And I'm not a religious far, guy, but I'm going to give you an amen here. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Now, John, you started at 50. I started at 55. 50, 54 okay. years, 10 months. 55. So I, do you find a relief that you know you don't have enough time left in your life to ever hit that 20-year you know, the, the threshold, you know, is it like a pressure taken off you? Like, I don't have to be, you know, I don't have to be the road dog to make the, not that there's something wrong. You know what I'm saying? Do you feel a relief? Like, I don't, I know I'm not going to be the superstar, so I could just yeah. be funny. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, a lot of people, a lot of comedians, they, they want to work to be on the road so that they can get to the next level after the road. If I got to the road, that would be awesome. Are you kidding me? I could I could retire from my my career and and do that on work on the weekends. That would be fantastic. I would love to get booked around around the world. Take off on a on a Thursday morning and and come back on a Sunday night. I I would relish that. That would be that would be super fun. My but, buddy uh, uh, Sam Talent, who is a road dog, and yes, he he is. He, he is now he's getting big, and he's, people are starting to know uh, know who he is, and he's headlining, and he's got specials and stuff like that, and he's doing very well. Uh, but he got into the road for the experience and adventure of the road, yeah. uh, not necessarily. Uh, to think that it was going to lead to something bigger. He just loves that road atmosphere. And I have to say, when I was 50 and playing in a band, I longed for that. I, I have done the road in my youth uh, and wanted to do it again as I got older. I had that wanderlust that I just wanted an adventure. I want to go out and, and see America again and, yeah. and play for different people than Northeast New York people that i play for all almost every weekend and but i couldn't the reality was i was the only one in the band that wanted to do that and and could do that because everybody else would now fathers and uh family men and, and so you have to uh kind of accept the reality of that it's not going to happen but yeah. i still even at 64 I would love to just be out just to do that six months of seeing different people and different, you know, and trying my craft out on a, an audience who doesn't is not local like me and doesn't appreciate my local uh, culture or any of that kind of stuff. So yeah, well, they just want to rock out. I get it. I mean, the people are what make comedy the most fun for me. I do a lot of open mics, and uh, I meet so many people. Like I, a lot of people who are half my age, and we hang out, and my age does not come up. They don't care. They're a comic. I'm a comic. We hang yeah. out. We have so many similarities in that respect. And uh, and getting to meet because comedians, I don't know if you've noticed this, but comedians are uh, different than than a lot of people. They're they've got they're all a little weird, right? They've all got something. Yeah, they're wrong with them. There's something wrong with them. Everybody's got a little something. Off. Now I haven't figured out what's wrong with me yet. I think I'm the normalist comedian. If that's even worse. <laughs> and that's and, and I, I would tell you now. Then there's a deeper, different issue. Okay, if it's not, I, I'm, I'm serious. And, and the reason why I'm saying that because it's it's not that there's something like wrong with you, like you were abused or beaten, but now it's something wrong with you in the sense that uh, maybe 
because no, I'd have to get you on the couch and then I'd have to charge you for the extra sex. Oh, but yeah. I can tell you, I could, I could figure it out. I know because I had to, I had that issue with myself. I didn't have like the, the deep seated, all the issues that quote I suffered through as a child. I had resolved as an adult. So when I went to the stage, I wasn't working out those issues. Turns out I was working out a different issue that cropped up. And I was like, holy shit, now I know what I'm working on. <laughs> yeah, maybe I'll figure it out uh, along the way. What's um, really wrong with me? Now, uh, I, this, my, please don't be offended by this, but I'm going to make a comparison here that right. I think you uh, remind me of Joe List. Um, you should fight him. You, John, you should fight him over that. Listen, you can fight him. Get, get offended. Be offended. I I am so not offended. Joe List is probably top five comedians that I. I, I okay, my, who's uh, Joe List? Hey, hey, maybe, maybe it's just me that would, I don't know who Joe List is. So I guess he's, I already, he's, I, he's from Boston. He's a New York com comedian. He's a married yeah. guy. He just had his first kid, and uh, he's Tuesdays with Stories with Mark Norman is their podcast. I do yeah. not miss it. That's the only Patreon I pay for is to, to listen to Joe and Mark. He's absolutely one of my my favorites right now. Uh, yeah, and I I would agree. You know, top five. It's hard for me because top five five is too limited to because I have a lot of really uh really uh great comedians that I I hold in high esteem. So it, it's I I feel like five is limited to me. I'm, there's always going to be one I feel like I disrespected. Sure, I think sure. I need ten or fifteen at least. But Joe yeah. List is definitely on there. He's a great. He's so underrated too. Yeah, yeah. People and, don't know who Joe List is, but he, he's fantastic. He, he is, Joe and, List knows who he is. I'm, I'm just not, as long as Joe List knows who he is, it doesn't he's matter. Very, very self-deprecating, very smart, uh, uh, smart as a whip, and he's just so easy to to laugh with. He makes yeah. the, the uh, audience really comfortable. Also, so, here's here's I should be offended a little bit. I mean, he complains about his giant forehead. He's got no chin. He's got <laughs> bad teeth. I don't know what part you're saying that I, I remind <laughs> you of, but I should probably be I meant kid. personality wise, but yeah. But uh, also I would say that all those things all those things he talks about about himself i'm like i don't see it he doesn't look like weird to me it's that's i think that's all in his mind that that image he has of himself but the thing you know, that he's make fun of each other so much that i'm sure it's been brought up and he's like oh crap i do have no chin uh i do have a big forehead <laughs> yeah i guess and the thing that really freaks me out is when he starts talking about having herpes and all that kind of stuff like i would not be saying that on no. stage i could not get that naked on stage and share that much with the audience he puts it out there man he's awesome yeah um I was, uh, but the reason I brought him up is Chicago. That's where you are, and and it seems to fit right into your uh, what you want to do in comedy. Is there are so many people like that coming through Chicago? That Chicago is the main stop for, or one of the main stops for people who are on that level to come through and perform there. So I would think there's lots and lots of opportunity for you if you kind of. Make that your niche as the guy who opens up or features for Joe List and Mark Norman or anybody, any of those people that are coming through there. Erica Rhodes was just there last weekend. Yeah, it's funny. It's funny you bring up Erica Rhodes. I mean, she is, I, I have like 12 followers on Twitter and somehow she found me and follows me. And it's, uh, as soon as 
when I started being on Twitter, I'm like, oh my God, she follows me. She's, she's actually like a popular comedian that could, could break loose one day. She's in my top five. Uh, definitely. She's, she's up. Yeah. I've seen her many times. She's been on this program. She's a friend of this program, but, um, she is very prolific, extremely prolific, and uh, she, she's just got a pedigree of uh, of show business that it definitely gives. It, and I always, I don't, uh, what's her name? Uh, Tomlin's uh, the girl who just got the late show. Um, uh, oh, Tomlinson, uh, uh, Lily Tomlinson? No, no, not Lily Tomlinson. I know yeah, you Tomlinson. Know, I just. I know yeah. what you're talking about. I can picture her face. I just can't remember her first name. I know. I know. Me too. I'm having the same. We're having the same dementia issue. But uh, when I think of that, I I always thought Erica would be perfect in that because she's got a TV personality, a very uh, friendly. She seems Midwestern, but she's from Boston and New York. <laughs> but yeah. but she seemed Midwestern and and friendly to America and made for TV. So yeah, I'm very Taylor. much. Taylor Tomlinson, thank you. Taylor, yeah, we need a young person here with a with a nice soft brain that could come up with these things that we can't <laughs> yeah. remember. Right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I it's. I'm the youngest person on this program. Jeez. I know. I know. Go figure. Uh, yeah. It, so, but there's lots of opportunity for that uh, featuring for that kind of level person who comes through there it's just i'm i'm wondering how the strategy is to kind of position yourself for that so people know yeah john stage if you go into chicago and you need a feature or an opener john stage is your guy because it seems like that that's number one what you want and you yeah. fit into that role really nicely for all those people so it's yeah, positioning and I, that I can, uh, and i can kill for 20 minutes for sure uh, but it's the, the thing is, is you have to get in on the clubs and I've only been doing it for three years. So I got to get in on on the clubs like the Comedy Vault out uh, out in the western suburbs. And there's two zanies in town and and uh, there's the improv. I mean, there's there's places once I get in and start hosting at those places and then people meet me and maybe, you know, guys like Sam Talent that you mentioned before. Um, those are guys that are very gracious and generous to to people who are early in the game and and will pick them up and and have have them feature. My only critique of Sam is now that he's headlining, he's putting on too many people on the show. Like uh, I, he came to Brooklyn, I think there was seven comics on the show, and it's like hey, he's a generous guy. Yeah, I, I I appreciate being generous and giving some people three minutes, five minutes here, but as an audience member. Yeah. I'm here to see Sam, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and if I'm really honest and uh, I'm not going to mention names, some of them would you bored me for three minutes. It's just like, come on, I I, I get yeah. it. You want to give people opportunities, but yeah, don't don't ruin before your long, show. Yeah, before long, yeah. it starts looking like an open mic and you just want to like, all right, let's let's go. Yeah, yeah. my solution uh, to that. I'm sorry. My, this, this, I had a I had a show that I was producing. It was called um, Spotlight on Insanity. And what I did was my host was an improv group. So okay. they, the, the improv group would open up, they would host, then my opener would come out. And then the improv group would come back out for five more minutes and do a bit based on one of the jokes oh. that the previous comedian had just done. And then, and then the next comedian comes up and then, the you know, 
the improv group comes back out for five minutes. They do their improv based on a joke from the previous comedian. Then they introduce the, the headliner, and that's it. You know, so yeah. it's like it's the same amount of time without having looking through. But you have more people, a lot of comics, so to speak. But you're not going through like 19 comedians to get to the end of the headlines. Like, like, no, technically, it's like you're just going through four, you know, the same amount, but just different. It's, it's spread out differently is what I'm yeah. saying. And that was that was my format. That was my yeah. format. It's the format I want to use if I ever become big enough to tour again. Yes. You yeah. and your you and your wire are having some issues. You got you got to be nice I to your I wire. I resolved that. I thought I resolved that by moving no. it here. It's the hair, and I'm not no. cutting the hair. Well, now it's fine. Now no. it's fine. Yeah, don't I, get rid of the hair. I, I think when you cool, start bro. getting worked up, the more you you start getting into your point, that's when it starts to jiggle a little bit. But right now it's good. Just sit still. Sorry about the jiggling. I do get. I do tend to jiggle when I get excited, and I apologize. You need a support bra, I think. <laughs> um, uh, John, do you, are you a um, a student of the history of comedy? So I loved comedy when I was very young, and um, I watched Comedy Central when they would pop up comedians. I, I loved those shows. So yes, but then when I started being a dad um, twenty plus years ago, I, I I really gave up on it. And I, and, um, you know, I just watch sitcoms. I like a lot. Of, I used to watch sitcoms all the time and, uh, and now I'm back into comedy. So I, I know more about, um, you know, who's, who's up and coming and, and who should be famous and who's out there, you know, selling theaters more so now than, than ever before. But yeah, I, I mean, I grew up on George Carlin and, and that kind of class. Wow. I forgot that th uh, three years ago I had Art Bell, not Art Bell, the radio guy, Art Bell, the founder of Comedy Central on the program. That was a really interesting I interview because we were talking about uh, when Comedy Central started. There was also a network that was competing with it called Ha Ha Ha, I think, something like that. And they merged together. But people, he, people rejected him because he was the first guy to say, MTV is killing it. Nobody thought that just playing music videos would be a popular 24-hour station. And he proposed Comedy Central and couldn't get anybody to fund it and finally got the deal through. And then it was failing miserably. People in the beginning, it wasn't until they got like uh, The Daily Show or something like that that it really started to take off. But now it is a staple, I mean, and a, a major network for people, a major yeah. place where people find out about comedy. And, and It's really fallen off from what it was, though. It's not what it used to be because of, uh, I think it's handheld devices. It's so much easier just to go to YouTube or to, and to find shows. every comedian, every stand-up comedian has a podcast now. Yeah. Uh, and and sure. Not all of them are good, as you mentioned. Mark, Mark Norman and the Tuesdays with uh, whatever it is, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but that that's one of the good ones. Rogan, of course, has a lot of popularity. I don't think that's one of the good ones, but there's a lot of really just wasted ones out there that don't they they don't really offer any value to anybody. It's just like two bears in a cave, and I know people think I'm just like totally. It's my uh, Segura bias, but that's just two guys whining about how how tough it is to be successful and rich. My life sucks because uh, I'm so successful and rich, and that's all it is constantly. 
it's not adding any value to anybody out there. It's not really, you know, in my opinion, anyway. And there's a lot of that. So yeah. that yeah, takes away right. from comedy. I mean, it seems like if you're going to be a successful comedian, you need to first build a, a brand around things like YouTube, a podcast. Yeah, I mean, you have to have good jokes and you have to network with people. But I mean, that that it really is one arm of success is having a, a, a great podcast. Uh, what is Ian saying here? Here, uh, Two Bears in a Cave is also a stupid-ass name. Remember Two Girls, One Cup from 50? No, I don't remember Two Girls, One Cup. Yeah, I never uh, don't, saw don't it. Don't look it up. I, do yourself I, a favor. Don't I, do it. I, I never <laughs> saw it, but I do reference it in one of my earlier bits. And, my, and part of the thing is I refuse to see it because if I ever actually watch it, then I have to change my joke because my joke is based on the fact that I haven't seen it. So I, yeah. I can't watch it. You know, uh, I can't watch it by law. Yeah. Don't ruin your day. It, it is. You can't be unseen. I'll tell you that. Are you old enough to remember the name Gary Mule Deer? Uh, yeah. Okay. Last yeah. night, um, I watched a documentary. It's called uh, My Life is Show Business, but I couldn't prove it. And it's about Gary Mule Deer's career. He is, he's from South Dakota, which I wanted to uh, talk to Willie about. Willie, who's a uh, regular on the program here, uh, is from South, well, South Dakota is his second home, I guess. But I think he's the most famous guy from that region of America uh, who, who broke through the mainstream television. Now, people, younger people probably say, I never even heard of the guy. What is, how can you say that? But uh, on television during the 70s and 80s, he was on every variety show. He was one of the first, I guess you'd call them prop comics, musical comics at the same time. Mm -hmm. But it, it was interesting to hear how his career developed, it was basically digging a grave, a grave digger or something. Uh, and somebody gave him a guitar and he learned like three chords and went up to, he was trying to be a Johnny Cash type thing. And uh, he was playing Folsom Prison and he fucked up the B seventh chord. And he, he, people just laughed at it and he just made it look, he did it on purpose. And that's how his comedy career got born is by fucking up a chord and trying to make it seem like that was um, intentional. But it's a really, really uh, insightful um, documentary about comedy in the Midwest and how uh, how basically uh, his career got started. So uh, I would uh, put that out there for anybody who's interested in the history of comedy to look up. My life is in show business, but I, I couldn't prove it. That's the name of it. Anyway, um, so yeah, you mentioned Colin. Are you aware of the AI stuff with Colin that, uh, recently? No, I have not heard of that. Uh, about two weeks ago now, somebody put out an hour special of George Collins, George Collins missing special, but it's all AI created. Oh my Kelly Collin, his daughter is really upset about it because they oh, didn't good. ask the family's permission or any of that kind of stuff. Uh, so guy who is generally in the chat room here every once in a while, uh, who was the only one I know who has seen it said, it seemed like, uh, imitation. It, it sounds like an imitation, uh, a guy doing an impression of him, a, but a bad impression of him. Hmm. Uh, so you, any of that kind of stuff, are you uh, concerned uh, for for the future of comedy and how AI plays its part in it? I think there's a, there's always, I don't think AI is going to take over for comedy. I think, I think we, we all want the, to go to the comedy show. Um, seeing it, uh, seeing it live is never going to be replaced. AI 
is not that good when I when I see I put in my jokes right. and then ask for punchlines and they're I'm not saying that it's I'm so much better than than the computer but I'm just saying you are not, you are you are oh, thank you thank you <laughs> that's what I was I just want compliments today but I but I didn't think any of them were were very good and I know other they aren't they, they're on. yeah they're not they're good not. yeah and uh I I worry about AI taking over more um lower level jobs that that people really need and and for america to succeed uh i worry about those jobs being taken over customer service i mean who who calls walgreens and doesn't get pissed off at that lady who tell you know is trying to tell you the the, the physician's hours i mean yeah. i don't want to hear we, we, you know press one press i just press zero the entire time because i get so angry at these at these uh these automations that people are not going to accept AI. And my I, house, my house shakes every time I I call yeah. uh, any customer service line anywhere. It's like yeah. the anger that it brings out in me. I become a a raging homicidal maniac. <laughs> I'm cursing out a robot, telling I'm going to telling her I'm going to come to their house and burn their house down, and realizing their house is a, a chip. <laughs> you know, the, the weird now the weird thing is that at one point there when they used to monitor those lines if you got angry they would pick up the line quicker because they were listening to you and they don't want that they're trying to de-escalate so i would fake rage every time just so that but now they don't monitor it any you know they're saving money with the monitors so now my it took, my fake rage is just fake rage it used to have a purpose no, and, like, and, and the voice to... recognition on them doesn't get my New York accent a lot of times. Oh, so you, yeah. you have a choice. Make a payment. Say, make a payment. And I say, make a payment. Pardon? I didn't get that. Make a payment. Now it's really not getting it. <laughs> and then by the end, of the end of it, I'm just screaming, I'll fucking kill your whole family. <laughs> I'm sorry. I did not get that. <laughs> want to try again? <laughs> Excuse us. You want to take us to lunch? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Um, but with, with uh, respect to Colin now, because I think uh, I do agree that he is one of the icons of comedy, but I think his legacy has really uh, a lot of people want to be George Colin and not be themselves, you know, grow up on that. And he's, he's you can see the roots of what he's done in comedians now who just want to think. I'm going to teach people something rather than I'm going to make them laugh. Any comment on that? Yeah, it's funny because Carlin would start off with fart jokes and then move into political stuff. And uh, But no one, listen, man, no one's ever going to be like Carlin. Carlin could pick apart a giant subject um, and break it down and make you see it for what it really is and make you laugh the entire time. And at the end of it, in the car, you'd be like, oh, shit, if I think about that, you know, this is really bad. Whether he was talking about government or whatever it was, he always broke down big subjects to little bite-sized uh, little candies that are that were hilarious. So, right. I mean, that's a that's a skill that doesn't exist anywhere else. And I and I praise Kelly for going to town and uh, and, and trying to keep her dad's name. Um, I mean, not letting other people use it, him or his right. name. 
uh, in that way. So she's got. And then when she hands. did, when she called them out on it, these guys didn't bother to even apologize or reach out and say, yeah. "Listen, my, uh, we made a mistake. We should have reached out to you in advance, and maybe we we could take it down or give you a cut or whatever." If you want to, they didn't do any of that. They didn't even acknowledge her. Uh, being upset by it and that i think that's a total listen can, man, don't let nerds take over the world that's right. what i say you're right you're absolutely right you know, <laughs> we, we gotta no. bring back bullying we that, gotta... this is why people like uh, uh bill gates and elon musk are taking over the world we we just sat back and let the nerds run the world uh we have we have to stand up to them and give them I a like little this platform <laughs> yeah, put nerds back in their place. <laughs> People want to call themselves nerds now. I mean, right. I remember when I was in high school, if somebody called you a nerd, I mean, it was it was well, no one ever called me a nerd. First of all, right. uh, <laughs> I was a jock and a, and kind of a dumb kid. But but I got called know. another n word. But it <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Nerd, but I, I'll I'll accept nerd. Nerd, sure. nerd. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, it's like it's like nerd with two G's in the middle of it. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> okay, I get it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Don't let people say that. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate a that. Double good, a double good nerd. Yeah, yeah. yeah. With, 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 with a hard hard D. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, we appreciate you getting up early. I know it's uh, an hour earlier in Chicago yeah. this morning. Johnstage.com. Do you have anything to promote here or, or let people know about that's coming up? Um, I've got a show. If you're in the Chicagoland area, it's in um, it's uh, it's in the western suburbs at the Lyric Theater, um, February sixth, and it's and the benefits go towards um, uh, soldiers with PTSD. Very I've good done the show. Yeah, this is the third year I've done this show, and uh, the lady that puts it on is is a special person, and and she she tries to pick out a uh, a worthy cause every year, and all of the money goes towards them. So this this year is a special one because it's going towards soldiers with PTSD. It's uh, but if you if you look up on, on Facebook, it's um, just look up the or just look up the Lyric Theater. Uh, you can find information about it. It's $30 at the door. But anybody that wants to follow me on Instagram, I'm trying to build an Instagram following. It's John Stage Comedy. I, I have like 350 followers already. I don't know if that's maxed out. I, maybe you can have more followers than that. I'm not sure. But uh, if you can I jump know, on there. I'm, I'm still to... at 10. But thank you for bragging. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how many. Thing up. I don't know how many followers I have. I'm just looking right now. I want. I want to see how many followers I have on Instagram. I, where do I see that? Oh, in profile here. Profile. Yeah. Uh, but are you on Twitter as well, or are, you are on Twitter as well, right? Yeah, I, I, I'm not a. I'm not big on Twitter as much. No, I'm trying to I, build the Instagram because I think comedians can really do well with Instagram. I get no nothing from Instagram. I got seven thousand three hundred sixty uh, followers on Instagram. I don't know that any anybody has ever directly reached out to me. I don't know if this is actually. I don't get how Instagram works. How it how it converts people into their followers. But what does that mean? They don't ever interact or any. I don't get a lot of comments on any of yeah. stuff. But I think I think bookers look at that kind of thing, and uh, if you've got three thousand or three hundred, they're going to pick the three thousand. Yeah. So. All right. Well, we we appreciate you being I'm on sorry, here. Just I, one second. I will follow is John you. John Stage. Where? What is it? John Stage on Instagram. It's John Stage Comedy. One word. John, John Stage, Stage Comedy. Comedy. Got you. Yeah. I just I I just um stalked you. 
Cool. There we go. I, I, I just followed you. Yeah, so now you have 379 followers, I think. Hell yeah. And what's uh, happening? John think, and yeah, and now you got 300 one more. I'm I'm doing it right now. Um but you I only have 50 posts. What the hell's wrong with that? 50 posts. You look lacquered. That's like one a year. How old are you? 50 what? <laughs> 3. Uh, you don't even have one a year. Damn it, man. That you're lazy. Spring you're hasn't so been lazy. around for 53 years, has it? We we have a, a no antagonizing the guest rule on the program. I don't know if you've I'm seen sorry, that in your I'm contract. No, no, Matt, I know the rule, but if he can't make one post a year on Instagram and you don't know when he when did him, he start? When did he start? You don't know. Years, I'm, I think right at like two or three years ago. Okay. Two years. So that's like uh, one every other week. See, <laughs> come on, all let's right, do all different right. math. Okay, okay, all right, all right. okay. And I. I apologize. Oh, it looks like I Kelly apologize. just followed him as well. So here we go. We're building a following for uh, for John right now on Instagram. By, by the time today is over. All right, now, now I'm pissed, okay, because I asked people to follow me. Nothing happens. We asked people to follow John, and, like, what, three seconds, he's got three people. Well, that, okay, and I've been on this show for a lot of time. What, three, four of, weeks now? Yeah. Yeah. We, well, you ask Nobody people to follow you, me. and then you go walking head on into traffic, and then <laughs> they get run over. So they know better than to follow you. Anyway, no John. Uh, <laughs> oh no, no cursing on the program. Uh, oh, that's right, because John is practically clean. Too fucking late. Too that's fucking right. late for that fucking rule. Um, <laughs> I, I will definitely uh, recommend you to people like Sam Talent and Erica and yes. people who are going through Chicago who need. Uh, openers and features uh, I I, I, that they check you out. So thanks for being here. Right. Anytime people you who need, there. I'm just sorry. There's some comedians, headliners who need funny openers who are not a threat to their career. You <laughs> are not a threat. To, no, I'm saying. No, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying your no, aspiration is not to take. Aspiration is not to take over their job. You don't right. wish them like to break a leg so that you can take over their job. There's and a so lot of you, truth in that. Food. You are yeah. comfort food for comedy. Your tits are jiggling the wire again. <laughs> I'm going to get nipple clamped so that the <laughs> wire just stays right in place. You are getting too emotional now. Um, uh, again, John, thank you for being here. Thanks we, for we, having we, me. This has been a blast. I appreciate it. Come back sometime. We, lo we love talking to you. Uh, come back, and we'll, right, we'll definitely thanks, do guys. this again. Thanks. Bye for now. Uh, John stays. You know what's interesting? Chicago land. I never say New York land. You never hear New York land, Chicago land. I was going to ask him about that. I was going, to, but the only other place that used to did it, did it that I know of was Hollywood land, and they dropped the land. Right now, you are from Westminster land, right? West, Westminster yes, land. Yes, West, yeah, yeah. Well, Westminster in Maryland. In Maryland, yeah, Maryland. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, at least you got a land in there. Um, yeah, we kept it. We kept the land. Once right. we got rid of the Indians, we kept the land, and we didn't pretend. We gave it to Mary. There was no pretense here. Yeah, who, who, I, you know, I don't know the, the history. I got to find out about Mary. Queen, and, Queen Mary. Oh, okay. Thank you for that's my quick history lesson this morning. Um, it's not the Queen Mary that you're thinking of. It's I was thinking of a boat. Mary. Uh, I was, it was a drag queen, Mary. Oh, 
I was thinking of I was thinking of a boat that's parked at Long Beach Dock in California. That's what. Proud Maryland. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, our next guest is here, so we have to uh, move on pretty quickly. I'm going to play one more commercial. This is uh, True File. You think it's long enough for me to run and get another cup of coffee while we play this commercial? It's two minutes and two seconds. I feel like Chuck Woolery here, seeing two and two. Uh, I'm, this is going to be, if I don't make it back, carry on without me. Okay. Over 2 million guitar players worldwide learn, practice, and play with TrueFire. Our learning tools and massive library of video lessons will ignite your technical skills, harmonic knowledge, rhythm playing, and soloing chops. TrueFire's educators are the best in the biz, from Grammy Award winners to world-renowned artists. You'll have access to an unparalleled faculty of over 300 top-notch blues, rock, jazz, country, fingerstyle, and acoustic guitar educators. Using our desktop and mobile apps, you'll work with TrueFire's multi-angle video lessons on any device, anytime, anywhere. Integrated learning tools such as video synced tab and notation, slow-mo, looping, practice jam tracks, and many more handy controls accelerate your learning experience. TrueFire's style-specific learning paths guide you every step of the way. Use our assessment tools to find your starting point, then follow our lesson recommendations, and track your progress as you work through your personalized TrueFire study plan. Progress faster with private one-on-one instruction, group lessons, multi-track video jams, live streams, song lessons, student forums, TrueFire's Riff magazine, premium jam tracks, and much, much more. With thousands of five-star ratings and reviews from amateur and pro players alike, you'll find yourself in good company with the world's most comprehensive guitar learning platform. Grab your guitar and ignite your musicality. Sign up free for an all-access trial today. You know what? I've learned that uh, two minutes and two seconds is enough time for me to go uh, get coffee. And I had to do a whole um, management thing, a kitchen management thing, because the sugar bowl was empty. I had to have my sugar. And I was wondering about that. I said, what do you have to do to get your cake? You can't, I didn't know if you had to pour it and then make your own cream. Like, it's like you had to have it fresh. You had to squeeze the cow. Well, (laughs) I have to get out of the studio and get to the kitchen, which is uh, quite a, just doing that. Listen, uh, I'm not a sprinter. (laughs) I look at, and there are many obstacles in my way. Like, it's it's quite an obstacle for I'm surprised because I assume you're a runner because you you have the aerodynamic haircut. So I uh, assume you went Manute Bowl on us. You know, perhaps, sir, perhaps in my youth, but at this age, um, no, the I can't even run to the bathroom. God forbid I ever get like the runs. I the runs are going to be walks. <laughs> one of the one of my premises is that first of all, that Manute Bowl is, was never the fastest human being on the planet. It was actually one of the, some other black guy in the seventies because back then when we ran track we all had afros 
And so uh, we all had parachutes that pushed our heads back. And now they're like everybody else is aerodynamically designed to be fast. And back Gary, then we just, yeah. Gary Mule Deer, who I brought up in the previous interview, uh, he, he was a white guy with a big afro. I don't know if you remember. Uh, do you remember Gary Mule Deer? Well, yeah. I do. I, I remember, the, actually, I remember the thing about my career, but you can't prove it. And that's what brought him to my attention. Yeah, but he's got this, he had this huge, he's still out there working, I believe. He's probably like 80. But uh, anyway, it's time to move on and meet our next guest, who is uh, Todd Baker is a uh, inspirational uh, and motivational transformation coach out of uh, Colorado. He's uh, helps his clients hit their biggest and most difficult to achieve targets let's welcome him in right now and find out about what he has so he's also a best-selling author good morning uh todd wow i i, I, I like the look good good morning I, hey <laughs> it, I, it's denver it's morning so it's about 22 degrees right now so uh wow what do uh, we got now i thought most of the country was getting a big warm-up this week i guess that is warm <laughs> yeah. yeah that's denver warm yeah, that's Denver warm, exactly. We got 40 here. Uh, well, good morning, and thanks for getting up uh, early, because I know it's two hours difference there in uh, in yeah. Denver. Uh, I just want to say Colorado is one of my three favorite states, um, Maryland, Maine, and Colorado. Why? And I, have a wife from, I have a wife from Maryland and Maine. I almost had one from Colorado, but y'all's laws about getting women across the border without their consent is much tougher than Maine. <laughs> But uh, so I love so, Colorado. It's a beautiful so state. Todd, let me let me uh, start by uh, putting all my cards on the table. I have, and I kind of mentioned this in the intro this morning. I have a knee jerk, really bad reaction to the word coach. I love now. I have no problem with what you do or or how you do it, and helping people achieve their goals and success and, and become whatever they want to. For some reason. The uh, semantics of the word coach, and I've dealt with enough life coaches, I feel like, I don't know, it bothers me. So I just want to put that out there that uh, if, if you're sensing any agitation, that's what it is. It's just the word coach. Is, no, that, is yeah. that something you, you deal with? Yeah, and it's it's more the the, the life coaching part. Um, I'll, I'll talk to a ton of people who um, – you know, they want hand holding the whole time and they want someone that they can call at all hours because they're feeling a certain way. And that's, that's, that's not a coach. That's a counselor. And that, that's the difference. Like the way that I think about a, myself as a, as a coach and kind of how I conduct my business with my clients is, you know, they huddle up, I call in a play, but then you go run it. I'm just going to stand over here and watch what you do because it doesn't matter how many sit-ups I do or how many, you know, goals that I set for myself, they don't help you. You have to take the actions. All so right. I, I understand, I understand the part about the, uh, the, the coach. It, it, it certainly is something that, uh, 
requires a little bit of explanation. But... It's just branding. It's branding. And for, I, it's my issue. It's not their issue. It's just me. I think I probably have a psychological thing about the coaches that I knew in school were not good people. I'm, I, I go back to football coaches and track coaches and people like that who just were not my friends. They didn't seem like they were really on my side or wanting me to succeed. They wanted to beat me down most of the time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. We've, what all, we've, we've all had those, especially growing up playing yeah. football and baseball and stuff like that. Now, what exactly do you work with people who are trying to like lose weight and that kind of stuff, or do you work with people who like have aspirational goals? And I'm going to use most of our audiences really in the arts, and and really, so we have lots of people who have dreams about their career and want to improve that kind of stuff. Is it physical, mental, spiritual stuff, or is it career based, or all of the above? It, it it's going to encompass kind of all of the above. So. The majority of people out there, let's face it, whenever they set a goal or set a New Year's resolution or whatever, they do it in one of three categories, right? Health, wealth, relationships. And that's just where people kind of figure it out and go to. Um, And I provide the structure for how they can get untrapped from wherever they are. And it could be a a health goal. It could be, um, you, you know, creating wealth or you know developing a better relationship with their spouse or whatever i'll give them the structure um to be able to kind of go through it but at the same time i'm not a i'm I'm not a physical trainer i'm not a you know investment guy or anything like that i'm going to give you the structure um to be able to get from kind of being stuck to making progress towards living an extraordinary life Wow. The uh, the previous interview that we just had on was, uh, I think, uh, insightful for me because he's one of the few guys who defines success in real terms and and has a real grasp on it. Uh, it, I guess if you were talking about things he wanted to change, it would fall into the wealth category, but it's not wealth. It's about career and understanding where his career limitations and what he wants to do with with it it's not to be the next big star in comedy he wants to uh be a regional feature and opener and happy with the life that he's gotten that so it comes down to defining success and i think a lot of a lot of people will just be very vague about what success means to them and how you define it do you start there with people yeah, absolutely. I mean, you have to, you know, if, if I ask everyone out there, like, you, you know, what what do you think it's like to live your best life? You're going to get a lot of vagueness. You're going to get a lot of people that are going to look at social media and go, I want this boat, this house, this car, this thing. And it's, it's a lot of the work. And this is the kind of a misnomer that a lot of people go through whenever they're setting really big goals for themselves is the work that you have to put in and the mindset work and the spiritual work and the questions you have to ask yourself before you even start. Otherwise, you're just setting yourself up for failure because you can have a great plan all put together, but if you're not if you're not ready for that growth or you don't know exactly, you don't have clarity of where you're going, then it, it, it kind of falls flat. Right. So it is identifying like, you know, what your best life is or 
you know, what, what, what do you want your legacy to be? What, you know, people talk about money all the time. I want to make more and more and more. It's like, okay, but what are you going to do with it? Right. I think what you just pointed out, the whole social media stuff is we, and I, I saw uh, somebody who has a, an account on Twitter called Fact, and they said, if you're always concerned, of, if you're always worried about what other people think of you, you're never going to be happy. I think there's a lot of truth in that, but there is a but in there. And if you never care about what other people care about, you're just going to be a narcissist and there's no happy, happiness in that. So I think there's some balance in that. But try, trying to define success on what we see on social media or other people's lives and compare ourselves to that, I think we lose track of what would really make us happy and what it means. I don't think there's anything wrong with, with John's, uh, John, who was the uh, previous guest, his a uh, aspirations of where he wants to, I think that's great. He understands where he wants to go. I think that's, a, and, and has a realistic grasp about that. I think too many people out there are just, uh, you know, vaguely thinking about, that big home run, uh, your grand slam home run that's going to get me superstardom. And I don't really know what that looks like. I just have this vague idea of what success should be by everybody's fake life on social media that I compare myself to. Uh, yeah. want- and, you know, your previous guest, if, 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 if his definition and his clarity of this is what living my best life is, is being a regional attraction and stuff like that, yeah, go for it. Yeah. I mean, he, he's got the clarity of definition to where his chances and the likelihood that he'll get there are so high because he knows exactly what where he's going and and what's gonna define it when he gets there. Right, very cool. Yeah. Uh can now can you share a little bit of your backstory, how you got into what you're doing now, where uh, how how this evolved in your life? Yeah, so um, I my majority of my career, I've run the gamut of everything in real estate. You know, everything from being on the loan side to being on the sales side, being a realtor, and everything in between. And then um, it was uh, it was about five six years ago, and I was sitting in an office, which in, in new home sales is the garage, with three other people and. My son and my daughter, they're big into baseball and softball, and they're out there playing on a Saturday. And I'm I'm watching the game on the phone, and it's not even video. It's like a pong game. I'm just watching dots go around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I literally, this was a Saturday. I, I thought to myself, I was like, I'm missing some of the best, most enjoyable memories of my life and their life because I can't be there for them. And I I don't want that anymore. So literally the next day I went in and I resigned and, and, you know, just got my, finished my real estate license. But what really crystallized what I really do, what I do now is this was 2020. Like everyone else, I looked in the mirror and thought, wow, that does not look good. Um, and I was like, I'm going to lose some weight this year. And my resolution that year lasted a grand total of three days. <laughs> All right. Yeah. You are an overachiever, my man. <laughs> More than most. Yeah. That is longer than most, but. Yeah. Yeah. So day four. I can, see why, I can see why you're a coach. You are an overachiever by nature. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, I got past the first day, right? 
Go on with your bad self. Yeah, but so day four, it's Denver. It's cold. It's snowing, and I, I just was like, I'll, I, I'll wait. And I started to think about not what I was wanting, but why I was wanting it. And I started, you know, like every fifth grade English teacher teaches us all, ask why seven times before you get to the real answer. And what crystallized for me was it wasn't about a number on a scale. It wasn't about a suit that I wanted to fit into or anything like that. I just wanted to be active because I did not want to be the father who couldn't go out and do stuff with my kids. Like I wanted to be the dad that when they came home from school on a Friday and they're like, Hey, we want to go camping this weekend. Instead of throwing 50 bucks at them and saying, here, have fun. I wanted to be the dad. That's like, great. Grab your crap, put it in the truck. Let's go. And because it was a longer term view, like it's not just this year or that year, it's for the lifetime. And I wasn't focused on a weight loss goal. I was just focused on activity and health. And that's it. Now, weight loss came along with it. And after a year, all I did was change my diet a little bit, very small bit. And all I did was walk every day. I just walked. I lost 100 pounds in a year. Wow. Now, can you go back and find those 100 pounds if you need them again? Right. Do you know where yeah. you lost them? I, 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 I dug a hole. They're under a tree yeah. on a path. Let okay. me, let uh, me, can so, you quantify? So permanently gone. You can get them back. Okay. Can you quantify uh, the percentage of diet versus walking that made the difference? Like, because uh, it seems to me, uh, I walk a lot. I don't lose weight when I'm walking. I, it seems to me the diet probably the 90%. No, I, I walk to track with my wife, uh, and we we don't walk. Uh, honestly, we walk uh, like if we're doing it, it's a quarter mile, and we'll do eight, so that's like two miles. Uh, yeah. But that, I don't lose any weight with that. I may, I'm thinking, well, you got to walk like twenty miles to lose weight. But so that when you're telling that story, I'm thinking it's probably eighty percent dietary change, right? Or it is. It, it it's all going to start with your diet. I mean, you can you can go and walk and run and lift weights. And then if you finish that off and you go to McDonald's and eat a couple double cheeseburgers, you just ruined all the work that you put in. So right. like I said, oh, thank we, God. See, Cause I go to Burger King. Thank well, God you said McDonald's. So yeah, I, I'm still, yeah. I'm still good. Yeah. The, the Whopper's fine. Yeah. You're good. Yeah. Okay. I'm still that, good. Okay. That's, that's horse meat. So it probably makes you want to run more. So, uh, uh, <laughs> Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, diet diet has a big part of it because if if you're if you're cleaning up what you're putting in, then you get the full impact of whatever whatever you're doing. If it's just walking or whatever, and like I said, with my diet, literally, I was eating fairly well. Like I wasn't eating a lot of fast food. All I did was just took added sugars out and cut down my carbs. Not I know. I, when I came back from the commercial talking about sugar, I, I was like, I'm thinking, well, I'm sure my guest, uh, to, my next guest is going to uh, have an opinion about sugar. And listen, I would love to give up sugar. It's worse than heroin as far as an addiction. Uh, you know, uh, processed sugars, the kind I put in my coffee every morning. Uh, and that is one thing I have set goals of. Uh, I went... Back in the day, there was a guy who, who challenged me to give up uh, sugar for 48 hours. 
And it, like 30 hours into it, I was a homicidal maniac. I was uh, <laughs> It meant give up all sugar, cold turkey. So you look at everything you eat and see if there's any sugar in it, processed sugar in it, and don't eat that. So that was like, I basically couldn't eat anything that I liked. And uh, I was really going through serious sugar withdrawals. Like at the 30 hours into it, like I, I need a candy bar. I'm going to kill somebody. Uh, <laughs> so that's been my diff most difficult thing in life is that sugar. Sugar is a devil, isn't it? <laughs> well, I, I mean, but, you, you know, it's, it's not like you're eating boneless, skinless chicken breast all day, <laughs> every day and broccoli. I mean, you know, you. And that's the other thing is like you need to reward yourself and you need to celebrate your successes, no matter how big or small. I think people get away from, you know, they 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 get so hard on themselves when things don't go exactly right that they forget to count up all the things that do go right. And, you know, it's not like you're throwing a party every time, but it's like you deserve when you set a goal and you accomplish it. And it could be very small, like you know, for the next hour, I'm just going to read a book, you you know, just be like, hey, I did that, you know, yeah. you should celebrate those things that you do that, that go the way that you wanted them to. Absolutely. I think that there is definitely you have to um, celebrate your successes. I want to uh, condom breaks and she doesn't get pregnant. All right. <laughs> I'm just giving you the a reaction that you're used to in the comedy clubs. Thank you. Thank you. I was, I, I do. I feel at home. Thank you. I feel, uh, I feel the love. I feel the love. Uh, <laughs> I want to go, uh, cause you, you talked about resigning the next day. Listen, my biggest regret in life, and this is absolutely my biggest regret in life is my son in little league hit the longest home run in the town's history. Uh, and I was four minutes late in getting there. And so I, I totally get that. I want to. I want to be there for those memories. Uh, that's like I did show up to the game, but I I missed the biggest moment in his life. Yeah. Uh, but you, 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 that caused you to make a leap of faith and resign in that day. And I've always been that guy uh, who has changed my life in an instant without having a necessarily a net a safety net to fall back on for a lot of people that's a really difficult concept and it's not something i definitely i think i would recommend because i i feel like either i was lucky or my guardian angel uh put down drinking for uh, for a half an hour each time i did it <laughs> but because i know I, I if there is such a thing as a guardian angel i drive mine to total alcoholism constantly but uh i think i've been very fortunate in that it's worked out for me i just want to get your your take on that would you would you recommend that leap of faith that you took to other people i mean in terms of your like if we're talking about career stuff i mean that's going to be based on everyone's individual their financial situation like do you have six months saved to where you can kind of span? I that never out? did. I never well, did. But it always worked out for me. And yeah. that's and that, that changes part of it is like it shouldn't have. I should have been destitute. I should have lost everything. I walked away from a two hundred and four thousand dollar a week job, uh, two hundred four thousand dollar a year job with nothing planned and really 
hadn't saved anything. I was a reckless spender, yeah. take, making a lot of money, but not managing money and, or accumulating wealth. And, but just on a leap of faith, I've had it. You. I'm done. I'm out of here. I hate I'm you. I, I hate you. I tried to do everything right financially. And it's like I tried to. Oh, oh my God. I hate you, Matt. I no, right. not not really hate you. But if That's I were capable of hating you, I would. But Okay. But uh, yeah. so that leap of faith, you you think people need to have that safety net, or no? I... It it goes to their own risk tolerance. I mean, someone like you or someone like me, it was like, I I want something different out of my life, and I'm making that decision right now. Right. Um, you know, I've heard I've heard a lot of other people talk about how like if if you want to get into self employment then start your company or start your side business or whatever you, you know, you keep your normal job, you grow your side business until it replaces the income and then you leave. That's a good plan too. But the thing that I don't like is when people say, I got to wait for the right time. I got to wait for a bonus to come in. I got to wait for, you know, this or that, because I'll tell you right now, the second you get that mindset, Congratulations! You are going to be waiting for that time for the rest of your life. Oh, no question. I I can uh, illustrate that with a, a point now. I I want to move to where the weather is warmer, and I think my wife would would support me in that. Except she's waiting. She was waiting till Nicholas, our grandson, started school. Then she's going to wait until he uh, graduates uh, high school. And then it's going to be college. Then he's going to get married. Then he's got to have children. Then he's got to uh, die of old age. And then we can move. Uh, no, then those children <laughs> have to graduate and have children. Right. So it's like when that waiting for that next step is all. It, it goalpost keeps moving. Every, <laughs> never, you never right. get there. Yeah, the, I mean, the biggest, the the biggest strength that all of us have inside of each and every one of us is the ability to take action and do something. It doesn't matter if it's right, wrong, if it, you know, if it's like the perfect idea that you've got, or you're just starting on it. Just start doing something. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's one of the things that I tell people all the time and, you know, it's the old adage of the fly against the window, but I always tell people like, if you want something different in your life, do different. Yeah. Don't keep doing, you know, don't think, well, next year is going to be my year or next year because that, that year's not going to come. You, if you want a different outcome, do different. Let me uh, ask, this is uh, a topic that comes up. A lot on the program. I am at, at my core rejecting of uh, the idea of the law of attraction. Now, I understand having a positive mindset and all that kind of stuff, and in believing, having confidence in yourself, or uh, having a uh, a positive outlook on what you're trying to create, definitely propels you to to take action. But I think the the law of attraction in itself is a thing that was put out there by people who are trying to sell books and trying to sell uh, courses, online courses or movies about uh, fairy tales that uh, all you have to do is um, have a dream and think positive thoughts and, and constantly be in your head. And I think that stops people from from 
not only taking action, sometimes they will take actions, but not planned actions or thought out actions and really have a plan behind the actions they take. Everything is done with this idea of, I got this inspiration. I feel high on this moment. I'm going to take this action thinking I'm going to win the lottery or I'm going to uh, hit the big home run today and that's going to change my life. Uh, what's your take on on all that? I mean, yes, you have to be in the right mindset, but what that does, at least what it's done for me is it, it allows me to see more opportunities, but you still got to take action to take advantage of them. Right. You know, it's, we, unfortunately in in today's society, we kind of live in a heads down society, right? Like people walk around, they're either on their phone, walk, looking down, they don't, look up that, you know, there's something else. And it's like, there's opportunities out there everywhere. You just got to be open to receive them and then have the guts to take an action when you do see something that looks right. And you're right. It's not like I'm going to put a mindset out there that the Powerball, I'm going to win this or that or whatever. You're just, you're lying to yourself. You're, you know, everything. But it does that that positivity and that just kind of growth mindset, it does open you up and you see more stuff just because you're more you're 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 open to it. Right. What's your uh, take on adjusting strategy? Because, again, I think a lot of people, they, they get that mindset. They surround themselves with positive affirmations and all this stuff, but don't see that message that says this isn't working just because they see failure as uh, just a, a, well, that didn't work out, but I'm still going to surround myself with positive affirmations. Just keep going, keep going without making adjustments to what might work and, and, and facing the reality that the strategy, not the mindset is the problem. Yeah. uh, The the best way I've heard this explained, this is a a friend of mine and and he said this a number of years ago, but there's only two times, like a flight going from LA to New York, you know, there's only two times where that plane is actually going straight, take off and landing. Yeah. The rest of that time, the pilots aren't flying the plane. They're just making course corrections. And that's what we do in life. And if you look at it and say, you know, I think the first step is if you're going to set out to do something is identifying like what has held you back in the past. What's made you quit in the past? What if you're something brand new? What do you think your challenges are going to be? Identify them, come up with a strategy as to how you're going to handle them so that when they do present themselves, you're not scrambling and thinking, oh, God, I'm just going to keep doing this or that. You've already got a plan in place and you can make that adjustment. But life is a life. That's what life is. It's a it's a course correction the whole time. That's a great analogy. And I appreciate that. Now, in your role in trying to help people hit their targets, um, is there any room for being a people pleaser or do you have to be brutally honest to the point where it can lead to confrontation where you have to listen. You hired me to help you reach these goals. I have to be honest with you. Ever is that a problem or, or a, a challenge? I'll say this: I am. I have not had a problem with being a people pleaser. I am more like 
kind of the get in your face a little bit. Um, not like aggressively so, but starting out, like this is your life and th these are your goals. They're not mine. I'm going to give you the structure and I'll hold you accountable to them. But if you tap out, that's on you, not on me. And I'll, I'll guide you through some tips and tricks and things that you can do to keep making progress. But I realize, like, I mean, that's part of it. Like, I, I talk to people before I collect a dime from them beforehand to see if they're the right fit. Because if they're full yeah, of excuses yeah. or, you know, all sorts of stuff. Or defensiveness. I, I, I'm going to give you an, an example because this is some somebody and this not I'm not going to give his name, but people who know the situation will have no problem figuring out exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, a guy who had developed a game, a sport, he invented a new sport uh, 35 years ago. He has been pitching this sport for 35 years and failing with it because there's not a lot of interest in it. And he's banking everything. He lost his marriage because he refused to get a job. His, his wife was just so sick of him uh, <laughs> uh, trying to put all his effort into a sport that nobody was interested in. And when I gave him uh, some advice that you got to, you can't, you can't force people to want a product that you believe in. If they don't want it, you have to deliver to the consumer what they want, what they're asking for. And he, his response got really defensive. I can't change who I am or what I do. I, all I want to know is how to make this a success. And I keep coming back to uh, the audience is telling you they don't want that. You have to give them what they want. And the defensiveness it just led to it's like for 35 years, you're still doing the same thing that got you the failure. And you're unwilling to recognize that you have to make some adjustments and give people what they really are asking for rather than deliver what you deliver, what you think they should want in their life. And so that defensiveness creeps in and then it gets angry. I actually lost him as a friend because I just, get, we kept having that same conversation over and over again. Uh, defensiveness come up a lot in people who they come to you with, the best of intentions saying, yes, I want your advice and I want you to give me the structure. And then when you do, they get angry and defensive. Yeah, it's it's more, it's not necessarily as much defensive. It's in their mind, they'll come up with what they call our reasons to why it's not working the way that they want. And it's for their own justification within inside themselves it's like they'll they'll come up with what they think are reasons and that's where i kind of push back on them and say you haven't given me a reason yet you've given me a list of excuses as to why this isn't working right. stop making excuses if it's a legit reason like you want to start getting in shape and oh god i broke my leg okay i got it you know but don't tell me it's it's cold, it's rainy, or something like that, or, you know, well, my boss was supposed to give me a raise and he didn't. That's an excuse. Like, you, you got to course correct and go from there. So right. it's not are, you saying, are you saying there's a big difference between an explanation and an excuse? <laughs> well, yeah, you have to know. Uh, yeah. 
you yeah. have to know that this show and uh, this network to get the reference there. Uh, but yes, uh, he's being he, he's being funny. So actually, I la- laughed at that, which he's not used to actually happening when he when he's trying to be funny. He's used to dead silence. I I forgot. I'm sorry. That's too funny. You feel yeah. better now? You guys crack me up. <laughs> uh, I have to put you up here for a second because I'm going to show you a book. And uh, it's right in front of my face here. Expert Profiles. Uh, you can get this at Amazon, but you can also find it on project9life.com. Uh, the book, is that prerequisite to you working with them? Do they, do they have to uh, – <laughs> is it prerequisite, I guess? No, it's not a prerequisite. It's uh, that, that came to be, again, just out of complete nowhere, but it was an opportunity that presented itself started with an interview that interview got published in small business trendsetters that author then reached back out said he was writing this book and he wanted to include me in it and we went through that and he's like next thing i know he's talking about they're doing their bestseller tour their publicity tour then it gets released and i get an email that says hey we just hit Amazon bestseller list on like there was three or four categories that they were number one and i'm just sitting here going Okay, that's great. <laughs> okay, I'll take it. Um, and there's and there's a lot of and I think there's like twelve people that are in there, and they're all just like different walks and different kind of niches and what they focus on. But uh, it's it's a great read. It's a I, lot I love that. And, uh, I like. I was, just, getting... I, just, I was just curious what happened to the the eight projects before the ninth one. How did they fail, and what did y'all do to fix them? It's so the project nine actually has nothing to do with the steps or anything like that. My kids are big into baseball and softball. So I was involving them when I was coming up with the company, when you're playing baseball or softball, how many people play defense? Nine. So uh, it depends on the team. Cause if it's, if it's, if it's, um, the Mets, I don't think it's nine. Oh, <laughs> but go now, ahead. I'm that, sorry. That was a dirty thing, a dirty crack, and I don't like it. I will, I will not accept that kind of behavior on this program. Um, I just have to point something out here because the the cover of this book, it's really, really good. And I think uh, people say you can't judge a book by its cover. Everybody does, and part of the success of this book, no doubt, is to a really good. I mean, for its niche audience, for its target audience, who it's reaching for, you can't get a better example of a book that definitely gets the message of what this book is about uh, and, and what you're going to get from the book right from the cover. Then this is really did you uh, were you involved in the uh, direction of that or was that a outside? No, I had. Yeah, that was because. Uh, literally like my, my part of it was just making sure that the, the, what I wanted it to say was correct in the chapter that I'm featured. And, um, the, you know, the guy that was authoring it and co kind of doing the whole thing. I'm going to show it one more time, but I'm going to say, I'm not saying people, if you're writing a novel, I'm not saying you should copy this. I'm saying it fits the message of this book and the target audience for what they might be interested in and lets them know exactly at a glance what what this is all about better than more because i see too many people getting way too artistic and then you look at the cover and you say 
I have no idea what that's about. Or it looked like something misleading, and and you think it's about you know sci-fi, and it ends up you open it and it has it's a romance romance novel or something like that. The, you know, be really uh, true to what the message of the book is about, and be really concise in letting people know exactly what they're going to get inside the book definitely helps so good, yeah, good, no, good I mean, job uh, i mean i when i saw it i i, I was like wow that's i mean no I, surprise it's the number one bestseller like that is super cool I, yeah. honestly so um now in uh we're running short on time here i gotta say goodbye to go really quick governor's comedy clubs uh we appreciate you guys tuning in we will see you tomorrow uh and i'll let you know about the big show tomorrow on tomorrow's program uh so now in what you do do you just work with people in the colorado area or are you using this kind of uh platform to work with people yeah, it's basically it's because of social media and the day and time that we live in. Um, you know, it's anyone in the world. Um, you know, it's it, it, the the way the class structure. It's an eight week course, one one live Zoom call per week. They're always at you know Wednesdays at eight o'clock p.m. Mountain time. So you know, if you're in Australia or someplace like that. You might have to get up early or stay up late. But I think it's more convenient for people in Australia because it's almost the same time. <laughs> it's just not, it's, yeah, it's just <laughs> the next day. Yeah, right. Yeah. It's time travel. It's time what travel. Is- That's exactly it. I've yeah. had guests on from Australia, and what we're always – uh, amazes me is their connection is better than Willie, who is on the program every day. If sometimes he's from New Mexico or South Dakota, and his connection sucks, and then people from Australia is perfectly crystal clear. It's always it, it, it's because the Earth is flat, and they really aren't down there. They're just over here. Uh, it's, that's why it's because so it's just a it's just a connection. Yeah, that's all. They're right on the edge. We live in a miracle time because when I, I, I've said this a million times, but when I was a young person, to call Australia on the phone and talk for 10 minutes would cost a mortgage. And now you can talk to them face to face for an hour or more and it costs nothing, which is. It's, it's, it's a miracle time. Anyway, uh, project9life.com. Now, it's important for people. It's going across the screen. Uh, it's in the description. But for the people on the radio side who are just listening, it's numeral nine. Project numeral nine life.com. If you write the word nine in there, you're going to get a completely different website. So this is really important. Project numeral nine life.com. Do, do you own both? Because I own multiple websites. I just pushed the one. And the other ones are just in case somebody goofs and they still come back and find it. Do you no, know other? I, I've been to the Project 9 written out. And it's not the same. Oh, oh so, you, <laughs> oh, so you know. Unfortunately, when I got to the web portion, the other one was already taken. Otherwise, I would have bought it too. Right. So. So the, oh, let's not promote it then. Screw them. Oh, let's yeah, not promote yeah, them. That, that's why I say it's important to have the 9 as a numeral. Project numeral 9 <laughs> don't write out the word numeral project the numeral nine life.com yeah, link is in the in description the <laughs> yeah go to spotify or youtube and it's directly or, or even facebook and probably a couple of other twitter and rumble it's in the description there's a there's a link to make it very convenient for you but if you're driving right now and you're trying you're trying to remember it, project nine the nine is number nine 
Yeah, or, or take your finger and lick it and write it on your windshield so you won't lose it. Right, uh, while you're driving, but keep your eye yes. on the road. Yes. Yeah, just not, uh, not in the blind spot. Don't worry about the road. It's not going anywhere. The road right. is not going anywhere. Don't worry about the road. Worry about the car in front of you on the road. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Uh, don't worry about the road. Just worry about the worry about the the the. the if we end up getting scrolling. sued, if we get uh, end up getting sued because somebody rear-ended a guy because you told them to lick their finger, I'm gonna put it all on you. It wasn't me. I have a disclaimer. This is uh, Mr. Comedian here trying to be funny. In a serious, <laughs> I'm way. an LLC. They can't. They can't get. They can't get blood from a turnip. Okay. Uh, LLC is a little low on cash. Todd, now uh, we are running short on time. Just uh, briefly for people, when they go to the website, it, it, how does it begin? Does, uh, is there like a consultation thing or is there something that's... Yeah, does... it's, it's, it's going to have a link to the book, all of the other publications that I've had, been, that I've been published in. Um, you know, just kind of my story like we've talked about today. And then you, you just scroll down and there's a coaching section and it's just book a book a a basically book a game plan call it's 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 complimentary it's about a half hour you just go in there give me your name and email phone number pick a time that works for you and then we can chat and figure out if we're the right fit for each other and how you know if if how i talk and how i say things and what i'm telling you and what we talk about if it's going to get you to take action, because that's that's the whole thing of it. There's a lot of different coaches and stuff out there, but find someone that like makes you want to, makes you actually take action and do something. Very cool. Well, we appreciate you getting up early. We wish you success with this stuff and hope some people will reach out because they heard about you on this program and and good luck with things and thanks for thanks for being here. And if ever you are so inclined, you want to come back, we'd love to have you back anytime you want. So, well, I'll just stay here then. <laughs> have a good, have a great day, and enjoy uh, enjoy the heat wave out there in Colorado. Yeah, I hope it's up yeah, to twenty three. Yeah, ball me. All Thanks right, so see you. Bye for now. Uh, Todd Baker, folks. Such a beautiful Pro- state. Project Nine Life. I've been to uh, Colorado a couple of times. I was there with the cult. Um, <laughs> but the thing is, I, I think I was there in like it was still February or March, and. It was like a summer day, and then it was a winter day, and then it was a, all in like one day. We got like all four seasons in one day. Uh, yes, that's what I love about Maryland. Maryland, you Maryland, you can have five seasons in five days. It's that's that's the one thing that I do love about Maryland. Yeah, uh, and, I, and my wife. I love my wife. She's uh, beautiful. So is she? Is I, she a, I, yeah. Is she a, a Maryland native, uh, born and raised? No, my Maryland? wife is. My wife is from Maine. Maine. Like I said, I have I, I've collected a wife from each of my three favorite states, almost Colorado, but that's out of it because I'm with my forever wife now. Colorado, they they blew their chance to have me have one of their women as a wife. They blew their chance. Wow, that's it. Uh, but yeah, uh, we have a couple minutes left here before we have to say goodbye. Um, I wanted to get. Did you watch the New Hampshire prime or or keep tracks on the New Hampshire primary last night? I did keep uh, tabs on it. Uh, I saw that Trump won by 11, and then he went on a little pissy fit because that wasn't enough for him. Right. He had predicted 30. He, he yeah. predicted 30 points. Uh, and they went on a, a rage tweet, rage posting thing on social media uh, all night long against everybody and anything. 
And then I don't know if you saw the uh, post game, post game uh, press conference where Tim Scott was kissing his ass. Did you see that? Oh, that is, that is okay. If there was such a thing as a slave um, kissing <laughs> up to Massa, I'm sorry. This is this this is a this is a reboot of Roots. Matt, you know the slave is just kissing up the Massa. It's like. Ozzy B's a good one for you, Mr. Trump. Ozzy B's a good one for you. I only love you is exactly the quote. Right. Uh, um, yeah, I, I, I love you, Mr. Trump. Yes, yes the boss. Wow. Is there, it, could you possibly let me kiss more of your ass, please, sir? It, and you know what? It, this is not um, exclusive to Trump and the Republicans, what's going on right now. But primary season, it's just, it brings out the hypocrisy in everybody. It's like, while we're running against each other, you are the devil, and I'm going to talk about everything you've done wrong, and as soon as you defeat me and I concede and I endorse you, and you are now a saint, and you've never done anything wrong. And it's just like... Oh that's, but that's the thing. The only thing is, in the Republican primary, they did not attack Donald Trump like that. Not, they, Tim, they, Scott, Tim Scott didn't. Uh, Nikki Haley has they, been. They, Recently. Now, but pre now, but now it's too late. She's already, right. and not only that, but she's already said she would pardon him if he's she, convicted. That's yeah, she's attacking. Well, no, she she uh, said she would pardon him if he was convicted, but that because she would take pity on an eighty-year-old man with cognitive decline. Right. So don't 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 pardon him. Commute the sentence. That way, he's still he's still a rapist. He's still a traitor. He's still a, all those whatever he's been convicted of. He's still all of those things. He's just not riding in jail. All right, let me let me him. let me uh, give let me throw her a bone here. Maybe she, and this is a really uh, weak bone to be throwing somebody. But I I'm not sure she's uh, astute enough to know the difference. Uh, then she shouldn't be running for fucking president and opening of, her mouth. Of, of course not. Of course not. She shouldn't be running for president anyway because she's, uh, you know, she talked about the country never had any racism in it and the Civil War was just... Right. Uh, but then two days ago she was talking about how she was bullied because of her race when she was uh, growing up as a brown girl in South Carolina. You know, it, But that wasn't the country. That was the state. Yeah. So... Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, she shouldn't be running. She should. She's not qualified to be president uh, in any way, as far as I'm concerned. But uh, you know, I I think she has, she has come around to really um, realizing that Trump is not fit for for office as well. And so I, I that I do I do give her a little bit more credit than than you do because I think it's really uncommon for anybody in the Republican Party to, to kind of call call Trump out on his incompetence more than that, yeah, the illegal I, stuff. I, no, I give her no credit, none whatsoever, because if, if you, first of all, if you want to be a leader, lean into the truth. Don't be lying to the people that you want to lead. That's the first rule. Rule one, that's of my rules. Of my rules to be a leader, you don't, don't hide behind lies. Tell the truth. And if you can't be honest with the people that you want to lead, then you're 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 no better than the liars that you're talking about. So okay. yeah, she and that's one. And two, uh, the fact uh, she like I said she well that's no, that's like that's probably one and two. 
and I forgot yeah. where I was going to go with that. But she's not qualified. Well, you're she, not she, you're not qualified to be president if you can't keep on. Can't remember what you were talking about. You're not qualified to be president. First of all, are you, you kidding? A, I, we got we got. I, I'm not 80 right. yet. I can remember. You're on the right I can side. remember what I'm talking about. All right. Yeah. Uh, I, I, this is uh, from Mercedes Schlapp, whose husband uh, likes to j- jack off uh, male aides and and pretend like he's a uh, you know. Bible pumping evangelist. Uh, Nikki Haley is getting money from the Democrats. I don't think the Democrats are giving money <laughs> to Nikki no, Haley. No, that's, that's, yeah, that's another thing. She's high, She's basically, she says she's got the, she believes the same things that Trump believes. She just doesn't have the baggage. So she's anti choice. She would throw women in jail if they got abortions. Because that's what Trump was saying. Trump actually said those things. Yeah, you know, he would be a dictator. So she supports those things. So the, what scares me is that if for some odd reason, if, it, if I don't think it's going to come down to Biden and, and Haley, but if it came down to Biden and Haley, I'm afraid that people would look at Haley as a viable option. And then we'd be stuck with Trump policies just in a different package. That's what, yeah. what scares me. Right. I am really thinking that Trump is going to be in, uh, convicted uh, before the general election of at least one or two real crimes, not just in civil court, but in criminal court. He's going to be convicted. Uh, and where do they go from there? But the, the, they're still talking about as if he's going to be running no matter what, whether he's going to be in, uh, convicted or even in uh, imprisoned by then. You know, um, Steve Bannon was convicted. I don't know, two years ago now, and he's still walking free on, uh, and that, you know, all this kind of stuff baffles me. Like, why is this guy, I know he's appealed it, but why is he even free on appeal? Yeah. Rich rich people get a different, see, the one thing that, here's the funny thing, the Republicans did tell the truth and say it's a two-tier justice system. They just lied about where the tiers were. Okay, and, and what kind of tears? <laughs> you know, like for me, the justice system that I have, it, it's a two-tier system, one for each eye, because I'm there. They, I'm crying here, but for them, the, the two-tier justice system is they they got a subpoena and raided my house. It's like no, that's they had a subpoena to collect evidence. It's not, it's, why is it a raid when it happens to you, but to, when it happens to us, we just should comply. Well, our resident, uh, I know nothing about politics, but I have an opinion. Uh, guy Mike uh, Chavez says, face it, you're stuck with Trump, like it or not. Obviously, that is a really uninformed opinion. Now, Trump may definitely, uh, he, he's definitely still the front runner. But to say we're stuck with him, like it or not, uh, that is a misinformed opinion or uninformed opinion. Uh, completely, because first of all, seven out of ten Republicans and independents said they would not support him, not vote for him yesterday in the New Hampshire primary. That is significant, and that's what uh, his former press secretary pointed out, and why he went into a raise last night because he knows that's true, and it doesn't bode well for him. And a lot of Republicans last night jumped off the Trump train. This is what sent him into a rage. This is what he's enraged about. They're going to Nikki Haley's home state next. So to yeah. say that that's a foregone conclusion, you're uh, stuck with Trump, like it or not, that's uninformed. And 
for a guy, listen, I like Mike, but he says, I, I don't know about politics, but then he has to offer an opinion, even though he hasn't studied any of it. And this is what, what we see in America, like people who don't pay attention to it want to talk about it and, and offer their opinions as if they have an educated opinion on it. They don't. It's good well, to I, see, stick I, to what I you know. I can't fault Mike because I keep trying to talk about comedy and I don't know anything about that either. So I can't fault Mike. I guess we're just kindred spirits of two different topics. Yeah. And he's saying, stay tuned now. And that was his latest comment. Stay tuned. I'm saying it could definitely happen. Trump could win the nomination. But yeah. to, to say it's a foregone conclusion is uninformed and out of touch with the reality of what just happened because he would not be in a rage today if he believed that. He's scared shit. He's scared yeah. shit right now. And anybody who, who studies it uh, understands why he's scared shit. So that's the point. It's not, not like, listen, you could, ha you could be uninformed and still hit the lottery. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank uh, God, because I... I, I... Well, you, um, I feel like feelings don't matter. What matters is uh, an educated opinion on what's going on. I, you could feel like that, but based on what? Are you actually paying attention? Do you know what, what the party is saying? The party is, again, they're thinking Nikki Haley is being funded by Democrats because they say that. Now, this is coming from the RNC people. They're saying that because they're in full panic mode. So your your feelings are based on feelings, not educated thought and and anal analysis of the situation. Again, you could be right. You could, you could end up even a broken god is right twice a day is a, a book you should read. It's available. It's available for wh wherever it's available. Um, it's a very good. It's a very good read. I've read many parts of it. My feelings matter. Well, you're part of a group. Uh, I, boy, this is so. The mantra of the Republican parties is your feelings don't matter. This is the the party's mantra. So uh, you're very confused. You're a very confused guy. I, you got uh, well, it. I thought I thought with the Republican Party is your rights don't matter. Your feelings matter as long as you're feeling angry. No, <laughs> your feelings don't matter uh that that's uh it comes down from the pundits uh pundits of the daily wire through the rnc it's a mantra they they stick to constantly anyway uh yeah so bottom line is it goes to south carolina next i don't think uh nikki haley is going to uh, prevail there but now right. the the question, and this is what the RNC is is grappling with: How does Trump go from calling her bird brain incompetent, remembering that he hired her, he appointed her as a U.S. ambassador to the UN, feeling like she was the most competent person to represent the United States on the world stage, to calling her bird brain, to then after it's all done and she concedes, uh picking her as a VP uh, candidate. This is, this is the, it, it, the town. Yeah. It, it doesn't matter with him. I mean, to, to him, the, the moment, it's just a moment. It's not the, it's not the long game. It's not the truth. Because he, he did that with everybody, uh, was it, with, with um, everybody that was against him who finally wound up, even the people that served in his cabinet, is what I'm saying, like the people 
they were like the best general, the best mark was the best this. Uh, they they were best that. And as soon as they came to their senses, it was like, well, I never liked them anyway. I don't know who hired them to be my chief of staff. I don't know who, who hired them to be. Just a coffee boy. I never really met them. Uh, and sooner or later, it will come down to his, his children. Like, I, I barely knew them. Um, but Which is true. <laughs> Except but Ivanka. This week, it's been a really interesting week because DeSantis dropped out. Now, Trump was uh, calling the sanctimonious and all that stuff and uh, ribbing him. And then he dropped out and he praised him. Trump praised him. And then the very next day, and uh, DeSantis endorsed Trump. But the very next day, uh, there, the Florida Senate wants to tax their the, the people of Florida and use that money for Trump's defense fund. And uh, yeah. Ron DeSantis blocked that. He, he said he would veto it if it came to him signing that bill. Because he does, why, should a, why should poor people have to pay for a billionaire's defense fund? If he's a billionaire, what is he asking my people? And I should tax those people and make them pay for his defense. So Ron DeSantis went against that. So he, now he went from being on the shit list to, to being not on the shit list to back being on the shit list again in in a matter of three days. Really interesting stuff there. But he's still endorsing. And the weirdest thing is Trump is Trump is in Trump's attorney fees are being paid by his his sick fans anyway by donations. I mean, the, most of the money he's collected has and the packs and the packs. Yeah, the packs. Yeah, the packs. Right. Yeah, they're, they're for his. Um, they owe like over 140 million dollars so far. Right. And my God, do I need to be a lawyer if that's the kind of money? Lord. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lawyering. yeah. Uh, and and why does he why does he need people to pay for his defense fund? He's a billionaire, according to him. He's like the the one of the richest men in the world, according to him. Uh, and but always begging for money, always begging for money. Yeah. Like, we need money. We need money. Like you know what? He's worse than God. He's worse than God. All the money that God has, and you listen to these ministers collecting money for God to build God more churches and more houses. Call, he's, he's calling on that. He's God. He, he loves you. He's a, a all powerful God. He's just not good with money. Not good with money. <laughs> <laughs> I, here's, I, this is funny. I, I, I was opening for another comedian. I can't remember the headliner's name, and I don't really care because it's not about them anyway. I'm gonna tell a story about me. Um, so after the set was over, I did like seven minutes, maybe eight. And this one person came up to me afterwards and says, oh, my God, you're so funny. You're so much like George Carlin. And I thought to myself, and I said, no, don't say that. I said, no, it's true. I said, no. I said, because the part you're referring to is it was only four minutes long. Carlin did what he did for like 30 years. <laughs> you can't compare my four-minute thing to Carlin doing it for a fucking lifetime. But thank you. But right. it's not, but it's, yeah. Here's uh, Trump's press secretary who Trump loved and gave nothing but praise to. He hired her. This was uh, what she had to say last night. This was actually a fairly good night for Joe Biden. Only 10% said they would uh, not vote for Biden if he was the nominee. When you look at the Republican Party, seven tenths uh, uh, of uh, the party said they will not vote for, Don, for Donald Trump. So he's got a divided party. You cannot win the election with only seven tenths of your party, no matter how good you're doing in the primary, you can't win a general election. If seven tenths of your party won't vote for you and they'll vote for anybody else. Now, 
I, I'm going to say this. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. has got a legitimate shot at, at this because there are so many people who just tired of both Biden and Trump, uh, tired of Biden for just because they hate Democrats, uh, but tired of Trump because of all the nonsense and all this crazy stuff. They're just fatigued by Trump fatigue all the time. And I think the, only, uh, I mean, the, the biggest problem is that if nobody gets 270, then it goes to Congress to pick the president. And if it goes to the Congress with Mike Johnson leading the House, then it's President Donald Trump by default. Uh, well, if Mike Johnson is because the, the same election, Congress gets one in on January 2nd. And if uh, it, it's as it's looking right now, it's looking like the House is going to swing back to the Democrats. It, so it you're like assuming. About, um, I, yeah, I, I just. But, but it, well, it's not just well, it's not just uh, the House, the leader of the House It's actually what each state gets one vote as far as congress goes so it's only i think it's like 50 members of congress get to pick it and i think now of course that number will will can change can and should change by the time the actual vote happens but if it happened today or if it happened like last election trump would have won if nobody reached 270 congress would have had to congress would have had more republican votes than democratic votes right now I'm just i just think it's a, it's 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 a it's 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 a fucked up way to pick a president is what i'm trying to say i just want to read uh trump's first rage tweet as because uh she said that at 10 15 p.m last night 10 18 trump uh went on social uh it's true social to say i don't need advice he was watching i don't need advice from rhino kaylee mckinney mckinney who Again, his press secretary, who he loved when she was lying for him. I don't need advice from Rhino Kaylee McEnany on Fox. Just had a giant victory. It wasn't a giant victory. It was a very slim back uh, victory, even compared to what he uh, projected himself. Over badly failing candidate Bird Brain, Nikki Haley. And she's telling me what I can do better. Save your advice for Nikki. That's what started his rage tweeting. He's been up all night and still... I think last count for me was 62 rage tweets about how angry he was at the Republican Party and and people who were not uh, not doing a Tim Scott on him this morning. So, well, at least he realizes who he's angry with this time instead of saying Nancy Pelosi. <laughs> so at least at least he got the the person right this time. Yeah, he targeted the right person. Wow! And they did some AI on. Uh, oof. They did. Oh. Man, they did a, a uh, face on Kaylee McEnany, who made made her look like she's ninety years old. She's kind of it's like kind of Joe Biden's face uh, mixed in with her face with face swap. It's really ugly, uh, and he shared that out. It's just, so you know, but um, yeah. And then there are tweets by her that I I think are fake, uh, and this is a, a but they they look real. But I can't believe she would actually uh, say something like this. If Trump says one more word, I'll start naming women he raped at the White House, and I won't stop until 4 p.m. the next day. I can't believe she would say that. And then she's, uh, according to these uh, screenshots of tweets that she fired. And again, I'm not verifying this, and I think my instinct is they're fake. But this is what's uh, going around, uh, trending on Twitter. So uh, it's worth at least... uh, 
and if the Democrats are doing it, they need to be called out on this fake shit. It's so right, stupid. Yeah. This, this is what she says, uh, according to uh, the tweets or supposed tweets. It's so stupid that Trump calls me a rhino when I was his press secretary. If I'm a rhino, how does Trump get fucked by more rhinos than Alan Dershowitz at Jeffrey Epstein's zoo exhibit? I can't believe she would say that. I, being I, a good I think maybe one of her kids got the phone. <laughs> I, I can't believe she would use the word fuck. All the rest of that, I could see her being angry about it and lashing out, but I can't see her actually using the word fuck. I can't. Maybe so. she wrote screwed and autocorrect was like, hey, you know, what's her name? Kaylee. Kaylee, you, autocorrect. You don't really mean, mean screwed. You mean fuck. You know, and she yeah. didn't check it. And then, no, this one is got, no, this one is definitely fake. See, now they're putting out this one that's fake. I can tell it's fake because they didn't get the at right for her, for her Twitter handle. Uh, so I'm not even going to read it. But there's a, there are definitely fakes out there. Uh, this one is okay. absolutely fake. It's uh, comparing Trump to Mussolini. Uh, if you see that one, that's absolutely, absolutely. I don't need to fact check it. I can tell you right off the bat it's fake because they didn't get the handle right on that one. So there's a lot of that shit going on. Um, yeah, this is another one uh, that is definitely fake. It's got that. It, a lot of them are out there, man. You got to stop doing this, people. Uh, there are enough real stuff to to concern yourself with than to put out fake stuff. It's just it's wrong. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I agree. Uh, grab the real shit. Work the real shit. Don't forget about the lies. Forget about right. the lies. Work the real stuff. Okay. Just like just like my golden rule of comedy. Work the real shit. All right. Now I'm trying to pull up the calendar to say who's on the program tomorrow. I I had mixed up uh, the guests, and I uh, yesterday I said that Todd Baker was going to be the government funding guy. That's tomorrow. We have Anthony Casasi. Uh, I hope I'm pronouncing him. He's a comedian and public speaker, uh, mixing to those two worlds. And then in the second hour, Gene Moran, who had, uh, who has written a book about how to get funding for businesses and stuff like that how to use the government uh to get money to help support uh startups and entrepreneurship and grants and all that kind of stuff that could be useful information so that's a yes, show for today. yes 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 yeah yeah all right so that's uh that's the show for today i don't think we're gonna have willie until and you probably are, are liking that right you probably <laughs> like that we I, only have willie in the chat room <laughs> Uh, no, no, actually, I, I, my career has been based on exploiting you and Willie, and if I don't have you and Willie to exploit, I don't think my career is going to go anywhere. So, see, I this see is really bad. This is Mike. This is how uninformed Mike is. You guys need to watch Fox more and more and get solid info. Trump is blasting. Fox for their uh, coverage of last night as anti-Trump stuff. They're all Trump haters. If you paid attention, if you knew what the fuck you were talking about, you would know that. Uh, uh, the Fox is giving uh, the total opinions that we gave this morning. Fox has echoed them on, on Fox last night. So, uh, yeah, Mike, you need to watch Fox more and see what they're actually fucking saying before you tell people they should know. Uh, man, I get the feeling you two may know each other personally. I just, I'm just saying, no, I'm just, I'm just, yeah, no. Well, 
you know, it, this is definitely a cult mentality. Mike is a guy who does not care about really understanding what the subject matter is. He has an, uh, a team affiliation with the Republican Party and uh, definitely is just going to toe the line and not care about what the facts are. I'm just going to avoid the facts and go with my feelings. And that's that's what that was. You need to watch Fox more. Pay attention, dude. What did Fox say? What did they say? The, that was Kay- the Kaylee. Said, the stuff I everybody knows what the Fox said. The Fox said, that's what the Fox says. The stuff I just read from Kaylee McEnany was she said on Fox. She's a Fox host. Hello. This is what what sent your boy into a rage is is what was said on Fox. Pay attention. She was on, she was on, wasn't it on Hannity? I think it was. Um, no, she's got no, her I'm own. Sorry. No, no, no. That was Iowa. That was that was after Iowa. Never yeah. mind. Yes. I stand. I stand semi corrected. Yes. Anyway, uh, that that is the show for today. I'm gonna. I don't even kick you out of here. I'm just gonna tell people to go turn on their radio and join us tomorrow, if you will. Uh, no, you have to kick me out because I said that in my opening statement in the chat room is that two men enter, one man kicks the other one out and plays music. All right, get out. All right, now it's time to turn on your radio. Hopefully, we'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for coming and have a great day. Bye for now. Turn on your radio.
listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now.